will give me the box right now, or I will kill you right now. No. Just give me the box, Marty. I thought you couldn't kill your friend, Cos. I missed on purpose. Now give me the box. Take the goddamn thing. I don't want it. You win, I lose. That's what you want, isn't it? Say it. Say it. Yes. I'm sorry, Cos. Could have shared this with you. I know. Could have had the power. I don't want it. Don't you know the places we can go with this? Yeah, I do. There's nobody there. Exactly. The world isn't run by weapons anymore, or energy, or money. It's run by little ones and zeros, little bits of data. It's all just electrons. I don't care. I don't expect other people to understand this, but I do expect you to understand this. We started this journey together. It wasn't a journey, Cos. It was a prank. There's a war out there, old friend. A world war. And it's not about who's got the most bullets. It's about who controls the information. What we see and hear, how we work, what we think. It's all about the information. Two minutes and 38 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of January, the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970. Solid State Radio. This is my friends, my compadres, my amigos, my fellow travelers. Uh, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It is Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, January 2nd uh, in the new year. I hope everybody is uh, out there reasonably intact from your holiday festivities and so forth. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. If you'd like to join us today, Richie Bristol once again standing behind the phones, uh, ready to pass along all your observations about whatever they might be. Have a circular sentence. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. And you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at... RickEmerson.com, uh, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Speaking of uh, speaking of fellow travelers, I, and I and I apologize for not uh, having the guy's name handy. I left it up in my office. I'd like to thank the person who dropped off. Well, two things for Tim, a USA versus the commies uh, battle like an army guy play. Plastic that. toy soldiers. It's fantastic. Warning, choking hazard. All right. Thank Small you. part. And are they made in China? They are. Wonderful. My, my commies. <laughs> um, that truly is the... Uh, that really is a free market system creeping into that. The, the Chinese themselves are actually making uh, the figures that allow you to kill communists. So thank you whoever did this. I'll, I'll, I'll get his name. It's upstairs somewhere. So yeah, green American army men, and then the, of course the commie army men are just like like screaming red. It's wonderful. And then he also brought Sarah a thing, which will allow you to put the image of the Virgin Mary, the Blessed Mother of our Lord. This uh, is really cool. On toast. Yeah, you stand up before and then toast it, and then the Virgin Mary appears. How great is that? I can't wait to mess up people. I was just going to say, your family needs to be screwed with. Absolutely. The next time you go to Bremerton, secretly stamp a piece of bread, 
Or like your mom goes to make toast, you sneak in, boom, put it back on the toaster, comes out, Virgin Mary on the toast. I'm going to have hours of fun with this. Yeah, fantastic. All right, so thanks to the guy who did that, whose name I'm now forgetting, please forgive me, and uh, stuff. All right, uh, it's 503-733-2970. It is 2008. We are here. We are back. We are live. Uh, before we progress, uh, let me give uh, some shouts out to uh, Kristen Bowie, Aaron Duran, and Timmy Ryan, who were in uh, yesterday helping us plow through a vacation day, which went uh, reasonably well. So thanks to those guys. Uh, here's what's coming up today. Lisa Desjardins will be joining us uh, as we are now 24 hours away. One day away from the Iowa caucus, uh, for, for which right now there can be no winner can be pre- predicted for either party. It's just chaos. I mean, really, it's like they're one step away from looting down there. It's fantastic. Uh, so we'll talk about uh, that. James Roof will join us today. We kind of covered all this territory with Roof yesterday, but we'll do it again today because it, everybody's kind of kind of getting back into the swing of things and listening. So, A, he was just waist-deep in morons in Pasadena yesterday, both for the parade and then for the Rose Bowl. And then today, I don't think they're sending him to see Leno, but I know he's covering the fact that as of tonight, Letterman is back. My pen just came apart. Jesus. Well, you're, like, pounding that thing around constantly. Here's the thing about this pen. I was talking to Susan. I was lamenting. Let me just interrupt myself. Hold on. Roop. That's where I'm going to start a new... Hey, for 2008, I'm going to start a new thing on this program. Now, those of you, if you've ever been in the show, uh, in the studio here and watched me do the show, if you've ever come here and you've ever hung out with us or seen us do this... You know that I have this, uh, I had to take a photograph of my legal pad one of these days, and so I can show everybody the much discussed... And you're writing on, on it, you know, three seconds before the show Totally. Starts. The programming, the matrix here, which I assemble scant seconds before we go on the air. And this presumably it guides me through the program, and I follow it almost never, but it's there, and it's sort of comforting. And so, the matrix at the top has a list of the things we want to get to today, and then in the lower left-hand corner, it has a timeline for when in the program I want to get to them. And then in the lower right-hand corner, it has a timeline for what I want to do just in this opening segment. And then in the middle bottom, it has a list of small, almost pointless observations that I will throw in at slack moments. So what I'm going to do for 2008, I'm going to start a uh, one, two, three, a fifth section on my matrix. And it's going to be a where I left off list. And so when I'm, when I'm leaving the main road of conversation, I'm going to write down what I was talking about at that point, like a little bit of some sort of... Uh, some sort of a, uh, like a transcribed breadcrumb. And then when I'm done, I'll look at the pad, find out what I was talking about before I got off the road, and then I'll check it off when I'm done. We're going to start that right now. Okay? Jim Roop. Okay, that's what I'm leaving off. All right, I'll come back to that. Here's the thing about this pen. This pen is fantastic. Uh, Dave Zinn found this for me. It's the Uniball Signo Micro 207. It writes wonderfully, doesn't skip, doesn't jam, doesn't run. It, 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 it writes with uh, it, concision, conciseness, a word like that. Whatever. Precision. Precision. But yeah. when something is concise, does it write with concision? Precision. But those are, well, whatever. Concision is not a word. I'm coining it right now. Uh, that word's going to be smithed by me now. Uh, but here's the thing. If you touch the tip of the pen to the paper too quickly, then this happens. And it just literally, it comes apart like a can full of spring-loaded snakes. The whole back of it pops off, and the ink tube shoots out across the counter. It's just, they need a stronger or sturdier glue. The adhesion here at the top of the pen needs to be needs to be tougher stuff. Well, whatever. There are bigger problems, I suppose, in the world. All right. Going back to my matrix, I was talking about Jim Roop. Check off. Uh, so he was at the, the Rose Bowl, and I don't think they're sending him to Leno. But the deal is that Leno 
Craig Ferguson, Letterman, and Conan? Conan. I think Conan's back tonight, too. They're all back tonight. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to watch. So I'm going to, uh, for the first time in, let's see, oh, forever, I'm going to TiVo Leno tonight and watch that because the, the, the Jay Leno show is unbelievably bad. But the thing is, I will be curious to see how he sort of gets through it because even though he's a stand-up comic, as somebody noted, he can't, I mean, legally or whatever, you know, according to the rules, he can't actually write any of the show's material in advance because the, then he himself will be breaking the strike. Mm-hmm. If he actually writes any of tonight's material in advance, he will then be scabbing, and you know, which, of course, he's not supposed to do. So, theoretically speaking, Jay Leno, who's not really like a funny guy anymore and certainly doesn't seem quick on his feet at all, as you can tell if you watch any of his interviews, he's going to have to ad-lib the entire program. So that should be excruciating and He was never funny fun. anyway. No, well, see... He's like the magician you hire for your kid's birthday party. Who doesn't have to be funny? I think when like he was in the, late, in the late 80s, he was sort of amusing. But he was never like... But he was always very bland. That's the thing about Leno. He was always a safe, family-friendly comedian. Sort of, you know, he was like a dog with rubber teeth. You know? Yeah, you know, could sort of gum you a little bit. Never really going to take a bite out of you. Uh... But he's going to have to ad-lib all, however long, is, the show's an hour long, right? An hour and 90 minutes. I don't even, I'm getting it confused with I SNL. I don't watch it since Carson was doing it. Well, whatever. He's going to have to ad-lib the whole thing. Uh, Letterman will be doing the same thing tonight, but of course Letterman has the advantage of being funny. So I'm going to watch Letterman and, and I'm going to take Letterman. And he Leno. made a deal with his writers, so they're back. That's the thing. So I'm going to, but I want to see how he addresses it. Oh. So Letterman will be back in full form. Leno will be flailing away, hopefully. With any luck, it'll be uh, it'll be a huge implosion, and I'll be there to watch it. So we'll talk to Jim about that today. Top five coming up. Geek Watch today. Uh, first Geek Watch of the new year. Religious Nutcase Watch first. Britney Watch of 2008 as well. <clears throat> Speaking of Britney, I bought this at uh, the Plaid Pantry across the street today. It is the all-pregnancy scandal issue of the National Enquirer. Awesome. Jennifer Aniston has a pregnancy secret. Have you already read that one? Can I take it home with me today? Uh, yeah, you can take it home yeah. since we're done. Uh, let's see. J-Lo, Halle Berry... Uh, and, of course, Jamie Lynn Spears, all pregnancy stories today. Where The only one we're going to focus on is Jamie Lynn Spears, because apparently, I'm just going to read the front here. Apparently, according to the National Enquirer, the least sued newspaper in America, Jamie Lynn's, uh, quote, boyfriend, Casey Aldridge, got another girl pregnant. Also, the Enquirer claims to know how far along Jamie Lynn is and the sex of the baby. Ooh. So we'll reveal that in just a moment. Guess? Are we going to have a contest? What did I sit in? Why is the back of my shirt? Oh, I sat in some yeah. coffee or something. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Uh, what the hell else are we doing here? Oh, yeah, Religious Nutcase Watch. Brittany, uh, let's see. Uh, something else. Today, Wednesday? God, i got to start keeping better track of this. Today is Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the gl- uh, Glorious Pastor of the Week tomorrow, not today. Um, so there you go. That's... I think that's kind of it, and I got some other stuff to get to uh, about um, about last night and everything. Uh, Tim Riley is working on the following stories for your edification. Well, even though it's 2008, it still feels just like 2007. A man is caught stealing teeth from a beach whale over on the coast. Wow, really? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Excellent. Uh, apparently, well, maybe he was looking for uh, copper and couldn't find it. The robber of a Medford drugstore is foiled by the release of fog into the building. Apparently, this is this uh, new burglar thing. You have a fog machine, and it blinds whoever breaks into your place. Does it flood the building with uh, yeah. with with fog and spiders from another dimension that come and eat your face? Just fog so All far. Right. Just check. That'll be uh, the next advance. Uh, snake fights for its life after eating golf balls. A boy fishing in Florida hooks a 500-pound shark. 
And the first newborn of 2008 from the Couve is not pulled out of a toilet. <laughs> well done. Congratulations, the Couve, on not having that happen. All right. Uh, Sarah Dillon, of course, joining us today. How is Bremerton? Oh, you weren't in Bremerton over the holidays, though. You didn't go back home for that. You were why, here Yeah, for that. why would I go to Bremerton? I don't know. It's, you know it's, I feel completely wonky, though. I can't even figure my, out what day it is. Yeah, my brain yeah. is in a fog. Well, that's the thing is we're on not one. It feels one, like Monday because I thought yesterday was Sunday all day. Because we're on. this is not just the first. This is actually the second week of uh, of having a weird schedule. Because last week we were gone Monday, Tuesday. Then you and I were gone Wednesday. Then we were back Thursday and Friday, then gone again, then back, then gone again yesterday for the most part, and then back again today. Mm-hmm. So what is today is all kinds of weird. Uh, so, yeah, no, my brain isn't functioning all that well. Well, now either. I'll be trekking on for months without yeah. a day off. Uh, so, anyway, so... Yeah, it, New Year's Eve was really fun. I had a lot better one than I did last year, let me tell you that. I don't even I remember don't what happened last year. That I blocked last year out of my memory yeah, altogether. Yeah, me too. All right. Fantastic. I stayed home and celebrated at 9 o'clock, the real New Year's Eve, and I saw Richard Cheese performing. Did you, uh, now did you, oh, so you were watching uh, CNN, now did you flip over and watch Dick Clark? No, that was on too late. Oh, really? I heard that was a little awkward. Oh, man. Was it? Awkward does not even begin to describe. I mean... All right, so let me back up. Well, um, we'll find it on YouTube. I got We played some of it yesterday, and I'm hoping there's a better recording. The YouTube uh, recording of Dick Clark that we played yesterday uh, was actually you could tell it was just somebody like holding up a like you know a tape recorder like to the screen and sticking it on YouTube. Like you could it, it, clearly it was not like a like a quality video capture. Um, but boy, it's so we were all at the uh, the geek house. It was a huge geek gathering. Uh, Diane and Prime had a, had a big get together, and so. Um, so we're there. Let's see. I've made some notes to myself here. So we're at the... Um, what does this mean? Well, I just made this note to myself like three seconds ago before the show, and I have no idea what this means. Is this when we're talking about New Year's Eve, or are we going to talk about it later? New Year's Eve. This is New Year's Eve. Why? Do you have something to tell later? Do you have a, do you have a story? Do you have no. an anecdote? No, no, no. It's just... I thought we were talking about it. And then I didn't know if you were moving on, so I'm like, should I say anything that I have to say now, or should we move? No, I have nothing. Go for it. Boy, <laughs> we are discombobulated today. I know. I it's only 20 after. Loopy. And I've already spilled, I already just spilled coffee on myself. Well, I think it's because I never dance either, and my body feels really weird, because I... I didn't think you danced. I didn't think that you were a dancing type. I do sometimes. Really? Yeah, I went to this the super rad party at this, um, yeah, this play, at this house, and um, danced for like two, three hours, maybe. So your dance card must have been full. It sure was, Tim Riley. And I wore shoes that I don't usually wear. They're like these high heel boot kind of thing. Uh-huh. And my feet really hurt. And so now, like, every muscle in my body is aching. Sorry. Got that jitterbug jitters. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, so we, uh, so we it went to the New Year's Eve party, and, um, which is just, I mean, it, 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 uh, it, everybody was just so unbelievably trashed, like, that night, and then, of course, uh, the next night. And it was one of those parties, I was talking a little bit about this yesterday, it was one of those parties where you got the sense that at any moment... You were on the verge of just, things were on the verge of going out of control at any second. Like at any moment you just expected someone to fall through a glass coffee table, or for something to be set on fire, you know, or for something irreplaceable to be broken uh, into many people. Where was it? It was at uh, Diana from downtown, her and, uh, her and Prime. Cool. Her fiance, their place. Um, it started off, this is how the evening started. This was like a harbinger. This is the, the bellwether for the whole night. We got to the house, and, you know, we ring the doorbell. And then I turn the doorknob to, to go in, and the doorknob just comes off in my hand. Like, I broke their door. That was the first thing. Knock, knock. Come on in. Okay. I grab the door handle, turn it. Snap. Comes off in my oh. hand. Sounds like there should be a laugh track. That's it. No, that set the stage for the entire evening. Um, 
Anyway, and so they had the uh, Nintendo Wii. And so, of course, uh, you know, the Nintendo Wii, we immediately gravitate towards that because we're tools. And This is what you do? You just go over to people's houses and just... Oh, man. And I got to tell you, you want to talk about a bunch of people who couldn't do any actual physical activity if our life was dependent on it. I mean, in no way am I am I athletic. I'm not sport-oriented. I can barely tie my shoes without getting winded. But, of course, there we are completely throwing down on the Nintendo Wii. And Aaron and I are playing the Wii Tennis. Uh, and this is what tools we are. You know, because on the Wii, one of the things is you can create your own character face, like your own little avatar. Um, and so... Really? Yeah, and so of course you can like you can don't look at me like if you go to uh, to Bobby's house, Fat Boy's house, like he's got one that looks like him, he's got one that looks like Aaron, he's created one that looks like me. But of course, over at Diane and Prime's house, Aaron and I are playing the Nintendo Wii, and the avatars that they have created. There's one of V for Ven, V for Vendetta, that guy, and then Weird Al. So. On the screen, if you're watching it, there's V from V for Vendetta and Weird Al playing tennis against one another, except it's Aaron and I, both of us flabby and out of shape, jumping up and down, sweating like bastards because it's the most activity we ever get. But, of course, as the evening goes on and everybody gets more tired and worn out and drunk and whatever and festive, Aaron and I are suddenly, it's like Pete Connors and Bjorn Borg. You know, and I'm, I'm like jumping up in the air and like with the Wii controller and trying to do the overhead smash. Aaron is shouting out, uh, you know, trash talk to me uh, as we're in the living room. At one point, I actually swung the Wii controller so hard that I cracked it into Diana's ceiling and put it, like, took a big chunk out of it. So I'm sorry about that. It was just, it was all kinds of weird. And then we get to about 1140, and we realize, oh, we got to watch Dick Clark! You know, and of course, with the, the unfolding mix of, like, anticipation and horror, we got to see Dick Clark. So we turn into K2 at 1140 to watch Dick Clark, and there was, it was like, Level after level of bad, because first you well first you see Ryan Seacrest, not a hair out of place, looking as he always does, like some sort of cyborg, uh, like a robo host. Um, and then Dick Clark comes on the screen, and we couldn't hear it because the TV was turned kind of low, and it was sort of, um, you know, it was really loud and whatever. And so we just see Dick Clark, who just looks terrible, of course. Just looks awful. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and really waxing and bad. And Aaron has this whole theory. Aaron has this... He heard from somebody or he read from somebody that it was Dick... Well, we'll get to this in a second. Um, but Dick, like, looks terrible, looks waxing. And then somebody... Oh, no, no, it's too low. Turn up the sound. So we turn up the sound and really it was just... It, it was like imagine if all your teeth were removed and then your mouth was filled with ball bearings. Uh, and then you were drugged. And then you were speaking from underwater. That's really what it sounded like. And, I mean, God bless Dick Clark. God love him. I say this because he's Dick Clark, and he's rich and famous, and I'm not, and he's an American institution, and whatever. Um, but we were talking a little bit about this yesterday, that clearly, I mean, he has such an iron grasp on that. So, I mean, even now, I mean, like his, his you know, his, his brain is still there. It's just that, you know, his, he can't speak very well. So, clearly, he's still making all the business decisions. And no one can tell that guy what to do because part of what made him successful is he's such a control freak. But we really did agree that at some point, somebody really ought to pull him aside and just have him, like, address the whole stroke thing on camera. I mean, it's not like we don't know he had a stroke, but it's just that no one, he never acknowledges it and no one discusses it. And so it's just so awkward. It's like Star Jones and you know that she got her stomach stapled, yeah. but she never discussed it. Everyone knows. And so if Dick Clark, we came to the conclusion that if Dick Clark would just come on television and go, as you know, I had a stroke. And my speech is a little impaired, but effort, I'm staying here until the Grim Reaper drags me away. You will never get rid of me. I will stay until the end, you bastards. It will take more than a stroke to keep Dick Clark down. 
I would completely embrace it, and the tension would be gone. It would. It's like when you meet someone who's got an infirmity or a disability of some kind, and you kind of wait for them to address it because you don't know what to say about it. Um, if he would just come on and sort of say something to neutralize the tension, it would make it so much better. But instead, he just comes on and, Dick Clark, and leave. Back to you, Ryan. And then he would go to Ryan Seacrest, and then they would come back to Dick Clark, and we came to two conclusions. A, Dick Clark is, that was not live, and he was nowhere new, near New York, because you never saw him interact with another human being, and behind him was Times Square, presumably at a window. That is a rear projection. We know that's a rear projection, and we think it was taped in advance. His countdown was way too fast. It was like 10, 9, 8, oh, 7. That. Yeah, it was like a whole, let me get this over so I can get back to bed. Um, I'm making him sound like the booby doctor, but clearly it was a whole lot of, i got to get this countdown over so I can get my meds. Rushing through the countdown, which you get, and then, how I do here, is sort of how it came out at the end. Aaron, though, read or heard or uh, some scuttlebutt, which I sort of believe about how it was Dick Clark's voice but about how they have used some subtle CGI on his appearance to make his appearance more smooth. Because he didn't seem, he seemed to have not total mobility, but it didn't look like he'd had a stroke. He seemed to be moving and, you know, his mouth was working okay. It The voice was bad, because I don't think you could fake that. But Aaron heard somewhere, and I believe this because it would, we already know that he wasn't really there, that it was a green screen. That it was his voice, but that his image had been sort of motion captured or CGI'd or something. So that's our theory, and we're going to stick by that until it's disproven. Anyway, so there was that. Uh, I wrote something else down. New Year's, D.C. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I have nothing. I have no idea what that means at all. Uh, all right. D.C.? I don't know what that means. I wrote down New Year's D.C. That would be Dick Clark, right? Oh, Dick Clark. Okay, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> it was so, so important to me that I completely forgot it. Uh, let's see. Um, well, there was an embarrassing Scott Daly moment. We'll talk about that here in a while. <gasps> really? Well, let's talk about it now. Did he bring um, his lady friend? His lady friend, Susie. That's what we're agreeing to call her. Okay. And I say this because everyone has had a moment like this. Everyone has had this moment with the person you're dating, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever. Um, where they say something out loud that is not like, you know, it's not any sort of a truly intimate detail, but probably something that you just don't want to share, especially if you're in the early stages of a relationship as he is. So we're having, we're sitting around and we're all talking about whatever. And I was, I, he, I don't know, he got a haircut or something. I said, oh, yeah, I got a haircut. looks good, you know, or whatever. Just making, making conversation as I do. And his girlfriend, which I think is what we can call her at this point. She's his girlfriend already? Well, I would. I've been at four social events, uh, and he, she, she's been at all four with him. So that oh. sounds like a girlfriend to me. Um, but at one point, she actually, that like, I, I said, oh, I, you know, haircut looks good. Um, as a side note, he told this fantastic story of when he was getting his haircut in St. Helens. Sounds like a Coen Brothers moment. A guy came in and sat down at the chair next to him with a full-on mullet. And the guy, I wrote the quote down because it was so great. When Scott Daly was getting his hair cut, a guy sat down next to him with a mullet and said to the hairstylist, quote, Clip my wings. I'm getting married tonight. And then did a little clipping thing like near like his ears where like your hair would wing out when it was too long. Clip my wings. I'm getting married tonight. Uh, anyway, so Scott Daly gets his hair cut. And I said, hey, haircut looks good. And his girlfriend announces to the room, yeah, do you know I trim his ear hair too? And he immediately just, he gave, Susie said this? yeah, 
about Scott. She's like, yeah, I, I had trim his ear hair. Like, they already have patterns? Yeah. He's been divorced. He isn't divorced. I wonder if she has a drawer at his house. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> I trim his ear hair. Like, why would you say that? That's so strange. You know, you know two people from, like, different parts of your life. Yes. And then all of a sudden, there they are. Uh... It's all very strange. A couple other things, and then we'll break so we don't get behind here. Um, speaking of Ryan Seacrest, and Tim and I have noted how Ryan Seacrest is going to end up doing everything. He's going to end up being the only host of any kind ever on TV. So you didn't see Ryan Seacrest at all? No, I did not. Well, you can tell that he knows he is the golden boy. He knows he is the heir apparent for whatever reason. Um, it, I don't know if you saw this on Dick Clark's New Year's Rockin' Eve. Michael Bloomberg told up, uh, turned up to talk to Ryan Seacrest about his presidential ambitions. So that, that's well, outrageous. Like Michael Bloomberg, you know, I mean, I could go on the news. I could, uh, I could go on any of the television chapters. No, no, no. Get me Ryan Seacrest. So uh, Michael Bloomberg appeared because Ryan Seacrest is now some sort of a political kingmaker, apparently. It's all very confusing. Um... All right. Uh, oh, by the way, final copy of Kissology Volume Three will be given away today. Um, we played the uh, begin. We played something for the movie Sneakers to start this program. Um, I've got an observation to make about that, but we should probably take a break here so we don't get too terribly behind. So Tim Riley is assembling news for the new news hour. Jim Roop today, Lisa Desjardins, Top Five, Britney Watch, all that. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll do a few more New Year's uh, discussions, and then we'll talk to Jim Roop around the corner. Stay. It's the Rick Emerson Show. <laughs> Did you get coffee down the back of your shirt? Because I spilled it on my chair and then had like been like, okay, note to self, don't sit in that chair five seconds later. Let me sit in the oh. So now I got the big uh now I got the big wet spot on the back of my shirt. Marty? No, wait, no, I'm trying to I was trying to tie back into sneakers. I cannot kill my friend. Kill my friend. Alright, wonderful. Hello there, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming along. It's 503-733-2970. Speaking of Marty, uh, and speaking of sneakers, which we played at the top of the show, let me just say this, and we'll talk to Jim Roop here in a few. Here's a little observation about uh, sneakers, and uh, I was talking about how we played the Nintendo Wii uh, on New Year's, which I think actually Aaron is out buying one of those today. Hmm. Either today or yesterday. I think he actually had such a... Cause it re- I got to tell you this. It is amazing how instantly you get sucked into things like that, though. I don't care about sports. I don't care about real sports. I typically don't care about video game sports. Uh, and yet, there I am, like, in the living room, it, it, clutching the Nintendo Wii controller, really, like, emotionally invested in whether I win the game or not, you know? And then I got on a hot streak where I beat, like, two or three people in a row, you know? And so then I'm issuing, and then I'm issuing challenges to the whole room. That's, you know, and I'm not even drunk at this time. You and I have such different, like, definitions of parties. Well, what was it? You were out dancing? Mm-hmm. May I ask where, or do you not no, want to went, give it away? No, I went to a... Um... A bunch of my friends had parties, so went to my friend who just had a baby, went to her house for an earlier cocktail party, then went to my other friend's house for, like, a DJ and dancing, then went to this other um, place with, I guess, one of the Ben members of the Thermals lived there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was where I spent midnight. It was really, really fun. So you were out dancing, and I was in a living room clutching a plastic controller, uh, uh, manipulating an avatar on the screen made to look like Weird Al Yankovic playing tennis against uh, another flabby geek. Yeah. And Tim was at home asleep. Tim was already at home asleep in bed, having watched Anderson Cooper at 9 p.m. Um, was Laura at the party as well? Yes, yeah, she was. Awesome. Um, boy, she hated her life the next day. Boy, was she... Because we left at... I mean, we left relatively early. We left at like 1.30 in the morning, because Laura had to be up at, wait for it, 6, uh, to go to work a 16-hour shift. Oh. 
Lara had to be to work at the crack of dawn yesterday, New Year's Day, and she worked until 11 p.m. So that oh, sucks. Oh, that's not fun with a hangover. Dude, and so, uh, I mean, and so we left at like 1.30. I, that party went to 4. I know Aaron. All the parties I was at, I didn't even, I didn't even come anywhere near a bar Ugh. that night. Like, I was over at my friend's house, and then all of a sudden I look at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I mean, so, but we, we but, but, you know, at like 11, 11, 15, 11, 30, we, everybody had been drinking enough, and I was there, and sort of, uh, you know, and just, you know, every, you just sort of get a little wired and ragged and tired and awake and whatever. And so, yeah, then I'm issuing challenges to everybody in the room. I'm, like, holding the Wii controller aloft, like, no one can defeat me! I defy anyone to... It, you know, and then Jason Crump came and beat me savagely, huh. and then I didn't play anymore. Um, so then, is that it, what you were doing at midnight? The yes, and then so, um, and and cringing as Dick Clark went, I got to see if I can find it. Um, oh. And so then, yesterday, and I'll tell the story now, and then I'll get back to the sneaker Sea Tech astronomy thing, and then we'll, um, uh, and then we'll talk to Jim Roop. So yesterday. Uh, I come and I do the show with Timmy Ryan and Kristen Bowie, and Aaron had mentioned that he was going to be in. So I'm going to give you an image, Sarah, and this is a test. I'm going to give you an image, and I want you to reverse engineer from this image and tell me how it came to be. Aaron, at around 11 a.m. yesterday, is waiting out back in the back parking lot, the one that faces Front Street, waiting out back in the back parking lot to get in here to do the show. Mm -hmm. uh, because he, you know, he had sent me, he's like, hey, I'll come in and do the show at 11, you know, just to help out and, you know, just because I got nothing better to do, whatever. And I'm like, okay. At 11 a.m., Aaron is out back in the parking lot waiting to be let in when he sees me running down the street from the Comcast building parking lot. How did that come to be, Sarah Dillon? This is like an Encyclopedia Brown mystery for you. This is like playing, um, Riven. All right, the question is, Aaron was waiting outside yesterday at 11 a.m. to come in and do the show when he saw me running down the street... I'll away, even give you another clue. Away from uh, the Comcast building? Give you another clue. He saw me running down the street from the Comcast building parking lot holding my legal pad at 11 a.m. How did that come to be? What are the chain of events that led that to happen? Were you going over there to go meet Alan Jabrowski <laughs> for something? <laughs> trying to get some money that he owed you? I didn't say that. No. Okay, that's, I don't know. I have nothing. Really? See, well, here's the have, thing is... We have mushy heads today. I told you that. I mean. It's true. No, today, you know, today's going to be a great show, though. I can just sense it. Uh, here's the thing. Once... You're running from the Comcast parking lot. Running? <gasps> Somebody did something to slight you, and um, you were, like, taking down their license plate number? No. No? Good guess, though. Now, here's the thing. Once I tell you how that came to be, um, and, boy, I was... Aaron made fun of me all day because I was just wheezing and winded. And, uh, here's how... Once I tell you how this happened, it'll make perfect sense in your head. So just to recap, and then I will tell you how it happened. Aaron is standing out back yesterday uh, in this back parking lot that faces, you know, the river, faces Front Street. And then he sees me running down the street, clutching my legal pad at 11 a.m., sweating, running from the Comcast building parking lot. Here's what happened, Sarah. Here's yeah, Now you'll know the rest of the story. The rest of the story. So at, what do I do every morning at 1045? What, oh, yeah. 
I go and I use you the use restroom. The facilities. I use the facilities. That's so gross. Whether I have to or not, I go there and just you know, it's you go there, you lock the door, you get a moment's peace, you get a moment of isolation. Um, I go into the bathroom at around ten forty-five. I uh, you know, making my notes, whatever, wash my hands, get it, leave. Realize then I have forgotten my key card. Oh, yeah. So now I am stuck in that hallway because the bathroom and we are separated from our bathroom by two, count them, two soundproof, electronically sealed doors, which is, of course, when Lycus was here in November. That's how Lycus locked himself out, where Lycus was, you know, he went to use the bathroom and then they come back from break and it's just his bumper music because Lycus and they're going, hello, for God's sake, I'm in the bathroom. Yeah. Unbelievable. I... Hello? And he's just back in the bathroom because nobody nobody can hear him. So I go to the bathroom. I get at like 10.55. I come out. I open the bathroom door. Oh, no. And I realize I have no key card. I'm like, where is my... Oh. And then I realize I've left my key card upstairs at my desk. So what do I start doing? Hello? Oh, and nobody's here on New Year's Day. Kristen Bo... Timmy... Someone? Hello? And, of course, no one exactly. No one is here. Kristen is sitting where you are. Timmy Ryan is sitting right here. No one else is here, period. I am the only other person in the building. No one can hear me. And even if they were wandering around, I'm behind two soundproof doors about 30 feet away, electronically locked. And so I'm just, and of course, from my vantage point, I can see a perfect view of the digital clock that counts down to when we are on the air. When you're coming back from the bathroom, the first thing you see when you're on the corner is a huge red clock that tells you what time it is. So I'm sitting there trapped behind two doors. No one can hear me looking at the clock as it says 1055. 1056, 1057. Finally, I just said, I So I run upstairs, go out the front door of the building onto First Avenue. But of course, you can't simply just loop around our no, building because there's fencing because of the homeless, because you get the homeless guys who use this as a, used to use this as an avenue to cut through from front to first. So the building is surrounded by cyclone fencing. So I'm obliged to run up to First Avenue, run down the street, run past the Comcast building, down, and of course you have to go all the way to the end of the building because you can't just go down the hill, all the way to the end of the Comcast building, all the way down their parking lot, through their parking lot, through the back, and then run down the street, all trying to get here before the show starts. And so Aaron is sitting there, and what to his wondering eyes should appear, but me coming down the street with my legal pad, you know, and then running into the studio at 10.59 and like 58 seconds, covered in sweat, just wheezing, panting, doubled over from exhaustion and pain. So that's how yesterday's, which made Aaron sound all much, all, all the, that much better because Aaron sounded unbelievably trashed yesterday. So was he? Was he drinking? He, uh, Aaron. Morning drink Aaron didn't leave until four or four thirty in the morning. He was like plastered when I left, and that was at one thirty. Uh, and then he was here at 11 a.m. So uh, yeah, he was he was not feeling oh. good. He was he was feeling bad about everything in existence. I was very very happy to be able to sleep in yesterday. Oh, it's I mean, and I I didn't sleep in that long. I mean, I slept in, you know, the hour, an hour and a half past when I normally would, but boy, did it feel good. Boy, was it not. Uh, I would not have functioned well. I can't imagine how Lara went off to care for people and to administer medication. For 16 hours. 16 hours, like having to find veins and, with syringes and whatever. I mean, there's just no way. Aren't we supposed to have Jim Roop here? We really are. I just looked at the clock and realized that we're running late, but that's okay, because he's apparently running even later. Is that Richie calling out right now? I think so. All right. Well, in the meantime, uh, we're back. It's uh, New Year's. Uh, it is the new year, rather. It's 503-733-2970. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hey, Rick. How's it going? What's up? 
Uh, nothing, ma'am. You might have already addressed this. I just heard you sell, telling the same story yesterday about getting locked out of the building. Yeah. yeah. I was just curious. You don't have Kristen Bowie's phone number or... Uh, well, my phone was upstairs. My pass card oh, and my right. cell phone were sitting upstairs. So, that, of course, that's the first thing I go to. Where's my phone? Nope. Oh, it's sitting right next to my pass okay, key. That wasn't stated, so I was just kind of curious. Oh, no. No, it's, I'm only kind of retarded, not completely retarded. But it's just, and it's the most helpless feeling in the world because you're looking through this tiny glass window waiting for someone to walk by. You know? You're waiting for somebody to, hello, anyone? I, no. Mm-hmm. And then, you you know, and then all of that security that you're glad for most of the time because it keeps crazies at bay, you then realize is keeping you at bay. And then I and then there was that you moment. You are the crazy. Yeah. The tipping point in my head when I realized that not only did I have no choice, you know, but to try another enter, uh, you know, it, 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 way to the studio. But that the only choice I had was literally to run like half a mile uh, up and out and down the block and around and down the block again. And then it was just made all the more... The cherry on top of the humiliation Sunday was that Aaron was standing there waiting for me, watching me covered in the thin you know, sheen of sweat coming down the street. So that was a great way. That's how I started 2008. That was how I began 2008, was by locking myself out uh, in the toilet. I began by watching Long Island Lolita, the Amy Fisher story. Yeah, that's a badass movie. That movie rules. It was awesome. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, hey, you're not retarded, Rick. That's uh, uh, Dennis Miller's job. All right, thank you. Bye. Yeah. All right. Agreed. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. I just wanted to comment on the irony of the fact that you might have had to call your own show to get in. <laughs> yeah. Hi, right, this, uh, this is me. I'm on the Rick Emerson Show. I'm locked up. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll make you feel stupid. On a, on a borrowed phone, of course, because you left your phone upstairs. Uh, yeah, of course. You're having to borrow. If only I could have found somebody's phone. If only there had been some way. And then you're thinking, what is the number? Damn it, what's the number? <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, yeah, bye now. All right. Um, well, you know what? Uh, we'll give Roop like about five minutes, and we don't hear from him in five minutes. Do you know Richie called CNN? Uh, you mean just now? Yeah. I don't know. Let's, uh, hold on, let's find out. Wait, let me just, uh, let's do our first Richie summoning of the new year. Oh, Richie. It's called Sex Panther. Oh, Richie. By Odeon. Why, uh, Richie Bristol joining us now on the Rick Emerson program. Hello, how are you, sir? And how is your, your, uh, how's your New Year? Great. Excellent. What did you do for New Year's Eve? Drank. You're wearing a shirt that says alcohol monitor. Yeah. String cheese incident. Okay. Oh, boy. Well, all right. (laughs) Um, so are we without Jim Roop? Are we sans Roop? I called everywhere. All right, so we're not quite, so we have, we're not able to track him down? No. All right. Uh, you know what we'll do then? We will take advantage of this opportunity. Um, oh, is this true? Mm -hmm. Right here? Yep. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Let's not, we'll wait until Tim's back in to talk about that. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's uh, do our Kissology 3 giveaway here. Okay. We've got one more of those to give away. So what we will do right now is we'll take caller 5 for your attempt at winning Kissology Volume 3, 10 hours of live Kiss on DVD, including their entire unplugged reunion special uh, on sale now from VH1 Classic Records. Uh, it's 503 733 2970 503-733-2970. I'm sorry, Aaron, I think, is sending me, um, I think Aaron is sending me taunting emails. Um, yeah, he said I was the lone sober person. Uh, yeah, his wife just hosed me, though. His wife just crushed me at, uh, crushed me at, uh, what's it, at, uh, at tennis. Uh, let's see here. Um. Let's see. I'm trying to see. It looked like there was something else here. Oh, and yeah, I want to mention this. If you go to um, if you go to geekinthecity.com, I think it is. They're the first pictures up of Kate Blanchett as a Nazi in uh, Indiana Jones 4. 
which you got to... Oh, and finally, uh, while we're getting these calls for the uh, Kissology 3, I know that today's program is sounding a little scattershot, but mm -hmm. as we noted earlier, it's been two weeks of a weird schedule, and plus we get all this detritus that's piling up in our brains. Um, if you go to see Charlie Wilson's War, which you really ought to, uh, but if you go see anything at that Regal Cinema, which is downtown inside the mall, there is the greatest geek moment. I tried to get a photo of it, but the contrast was wrong, and I could, it wouldn't photograph with my phone. My phone's camera kind of sucks. Right next to each other is a Dark Knight poster and the Indiana Jones 4 poster. Right next, and they come out within like six weeks of each other. Oh, that's so going to be so geek awesome. Nirvana. And it's, I'm a geek in the city, and I can't find that picture. And I maybe see. it's not posted yet. It might be at ain'titcool.com. I, well, it is at ain'titcool.com. I thought Aaron would have linked to it by now. It's a Vanity Fair piece about Indy 4, and there's these pictures on page two or three of Kate Blanchett as a Nazi looking hot as balls. Hot as Nazi balls. Um, <laughs> I don't think you can say that. Too late now. Nazi balls? Uh, the, um, anyway, but if you go to that cinema downtown, right next to each other, and I didn't even realize it until I walked out of the movie, and Lara heard me make the, uh, McRib is back sound, and I looked up, and there is the Dark Knight poster, and it's the Why Worry poster, or Why So Serious poster, mm -hmm. where he's drawing the happy hand. face in blood. Yeah. And, and so it's this bat, like the best Batman poster that's ever been made. I mean, of any of the films and of any of the posters for this upcoming film, it is the best Batman advertising that's ever been done, this poster that's out right now. And it's right next to the Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull thing. Man, uh, did you ever get to see that six-minute uh, like bank robbery I didn't, scene? No, oh, I've been trying to find now, it. Right? It's gone again. It's totally gone. I've been yeah. trying to find it. No, I haven't seen it. Anyway, so uh, do try to catch that if you're downtown. All right, uh, let's see here. Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, there. Yesterday was the best show ever. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. That was a good way to start the year. We had a good show yesterday. It was great. Uh, all right. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, are you a Kiss fan, my friend? Yes, of course. All right. We are going yeah. uh, to play a Kiss contest with a K for you. And uh, you will uh, be playing for a copy of Kissology Volume 3 from VH1 Classic Records. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We will uh, play you 20 seconds of a Kiss song done in a different style. And then you will have 10 seconds to ponder it. And if you get it correct, you'll win the DVD set. Are you ready, my friend? I'm ready, my friend. All right. I'm even going to let you choose uh, the style. Would you prefer death metal, bluegrass, or symphonic? <sighs> I'm still hungover from New Year's. Um, I'm not good at making decisions. All right. Symphonic. Then I was going to say, I could choose, or you could just choose a wild card, and I will choose for you. Uh, let's go symphonic. All right. Let's see I here. I feel it. Uh, all right. Let's see here. Uh, all right. Here we go. You will have 20 seconds of Kiss music and 10 seconds of thinking time. Here you go. I'm going to put you on hold so you can hear it. Name this Kiss song. Sir, can you name that Kiss song? <laughs> I never win anything. I was made for loving you. Well done. Congratulations, sir. Ever. Yes. Yeah. The uh, the most notorious of all Kiss recordings because it was yes. their, their first disco song. Yeah, uh, and, and just no good. Yeah, no, I, can I just tell you a brief story? As one Kiss fan to another, you'll appreciate this. My friend Todd was a huge Kiss fan, a literal card-carrying member of the Kiss Army, and when the Dynasty record came out, he went to the store. I'm going to get the new Kiss record. Goes to the store. 
takes it home, you know, it's on vinyl then, of course, puts it on the turntable, drops the needle, and the first thing he hears is a disco song. And I swear to you, this is true. And he's a, you know, he's a manly man, but he cried like a girl. Actual oh. literal tears <laughs> came out of his eyes at that. So I'm going to put it. you on hold. You'll win a copy of Cosology Volume 3. Richie's going to get your information. Way to start the new year, my friend. Congratulations. Thanks, Rick. I love you. Uh, thank you. No, I love you, sir. I think you really did love Let's me. all make out. Uh, all right. Did I tell you, did you get my text this weekend about that yes. uh, voicemail? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Do you uh, think he was drunk? Wow, this is going to sound so awkward. Um, I'm sorry, I really didn't mean to mention this on the air just now. No, uh, so many men that I meet in my life are more obsessed with you. Well, I typically don't. Uh, you see that a lot of places where I don't. Like sometimes you'll point it out and I don't see it. You know, I, I just I don't I don't I don't necessarily share the assessment. But yeah, I did. Uh, I did get this. Did I, you save it? Yeah, I did get this. I got this voicemail this weekend that was. Um, that was odd. Yeah. What did he say? I'm going to be very vague about this because we don't want to uh, mm -mm. in any way. Just saying I got this voicemail this weekend. And, uh... Well, I never bother calling you on the weekends because whenever I do, you don't answer or you don't call back. It was just, uh... Yeah. What did it... Come on! Give I'll me something. Well, i got to get to Roop. i got to get to Roop here. We'll talk about it later, maybe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. James Roop. Hello, sir. Howdy. How are things, my brother? Things are great. Excellent. So we uh, talked about this a lot yesterday, so it's, it's a kind of a, a recap for some of the folks who maybe weren't listening. You're not, by the way, you're not going to the Leno show tonight, are you? Uh, no. No? <laughs> I didn't think so. I mean, I, I'm going to sort of TiVo it just so I can sort of skip through it. Um, you know, and, and just sort of see how it compares to Letterman, who's going to have the advantage of having all of his uh, his folks back today. The thing, and I think you and I were talking about this, the thing that's interesting about Leno is that he's going to have to ad-lib his whole way through because if he writes anything, he himself is scabbing. Yes. So, and it, 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 I know he's a working comedian, and I know he goes out on the road a lot, and he still does a lot of stand-up, but, I mean, that's a... If you're not used to that, if you are used to having a team of 15 guys writing for you, that's a pretty big stone to pick up. Yeah, but you know what? I've seen I've seen him work a lot, and he's real good at working off the audience. If he's smart, uh, he'd walk into the audience and just just goof around with them for 15 minutes. I mean, that he's real good at that kind of stuff. So um, that may be what he does. He may um, fill it with uh, interviews of some kind of musical guests. I don't know. What musical guests are going to want to cross the picket line too? But you know, I think the big, the, the only big stumbling block he's going to have are, are uh, Hollywood types, you know, stars of TV and film. I don't think he's going to have much trouble getting people to sing on his show. Well, it is. It's interesting that uh, these a lot of people who are pushing um, projects aren't going to be able to go on these shows because of the strike. And so there's two results. One is, and I think uh, Tom Likas actually was talking about this a while back. He was noting that that radio talk shows, especially shows of a certain type, are getting a lot of interview opportunities and a lot of PR, people are calling them now, because they have become the outlet. Uh, because these shows, the late-night shows haven't been around, and so you get these guys who do radio shows, and suddenly, you know, some representative of some Hollywood star wants to book the star on a radio interview, and you know how it is. A lot of times you get these celebrities of a certain status who are sort of above doing radio. You get, I don't do radio. He only does Killborn, you know, or whatever it is, and they're going to radio now. And the second thing is that um, you, these the late night shows when they come back because so many of their would be guests aren't going to cross the picket line, they're going to have to 
uh, book some sort of interesting or C-level guest or maybe guest that you would never typically see on late-night television. True. You know, because they're not going to be able to get it. Like Brad Pitt or somebody isn't going to cross uh, the, 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 you know, the, the picket line. So it's going to be... Get Mr. Rogers' grandson. Totally. Or it's going to be, you know, it's going to be like the Joan Embrys of the world. It's going to be some guy who's trained a Gila monster to play chopsticks on the piano. So. Well, maybe we can bring back the Ted Mack Amateur Hour. Hey, I like the way you think. That's yeah. what I'm talking about right now. They ought to just have... Somebody ought to just do one just called The Scab Show. There ought to be one just uh, like a, maybe a YouTube program. Where it's you know it's it's uh, where it's just targeted at that, and I'm amazed that there haven't been more of the writers doing what like the Daily Show writers did, which is to go on and create original episodes of whatever, uh, of however of whatever length, uh, you know, for the internet. So well, you know, both Jay Leno and, and David Letterman have been paying their writers. I mean, even though I mean they've been dipping into their own pockets at a tune of a hundred hundreds of thousands of dollars to pay these guys. While the strike's going on, which is why the union isn't mad at Jay Leno for going back to work. They're not picketing Leno. They're picketing NBC. Right. Um, their target is not Jay Leno. Their target will be Mike Huckabee if they can, if they see him enter the grounds um, to tape the show today. But, um, the, you know, it's, it's, it's a very strange thing. I mean, it really is. I've, I've never seen anything like it. You either hate the guy or you don't. But this is just way too weird. Um, I... I don't know how this is all going to work out or pan out in the long run, but it's going to have to wind up being a David Letterman situation where individual companies are going to wind up, you know, feature films that are independent. They're going to wind up working with uh, the Writers Guild for a contract. It's going to be very strange. This will never come to an end. It's like you like the Iraq War, man. No, it does seem, I mean, how long has this strike been going on? It already seems interminable. It seems that way. It's only been about eight weeks. I, it seems, <laughs> I already can't remember a time when the strike wasn't happening. Yeah. So. I mean, they, they went on strike in November. I think talks broke off December seventh. I think it was, and and it, so it hasn't been that long. It just seems like it has been. Well, and what's weird is, like, I think Sarah was all jazzed about when is Lost coming back, Sarah? I don't even know, but I'm just I, they just launched the website though. Because the weird thing about that is they got like five episodes in the can or something. Yeah. Not a whole season, just five. Um, and so they're either not going to air them, or they're going to air them, and then the show's just going to have to grind to a halt after a month and a half. Well, the, I think they'll air them. I think they're going to use as much as they can to keep the eyeballs on the screens until until they can't keep them there anymore, Probably. and then then they'll deal with this strike at that point. It's a it's a you know I, you're not I'm, we're not getting a whole lot of talk from the conglomerates as they're being told, but uh, are being called, but um, you know we're getting a lot of stuff from the writer side only. I really feel for the writers. I just wish somebody from the conglomerate side would talk to us. Right. Let us know what they're really going through. Oh, all if right. anything, they may they may be just sitting back with their cigars going. <laughs> well, I mean, again, and I do, the writers really do have a big point here, as I've always said. But the, the thing is, like corporations, sadly, corporations will will outlast artists every time. I mean, just every time, you know, so some guy who's striking, who has a family to feed, who's making maybe not as big a salary as everybody thinks he is, um, that guy is always going to be in a more precarious position than the guy who runs Warner Brothers. Well, that's very true. So, that's very true. you know, the, the studios have always got the resource. You know what, if nothing else, the studios got a back catalog. Somebody pointed out 
that it, for a while NBC was running old episodes of the Leno Show. They were running you know, sort of you know, so-called classic Jay Leno Show episodes. There's classic Jay Leno already. <laughs> I think classic is just sort of a byword for we can't find anything else, and Ron Popeil isn't putting up enough money to advertise like a rutabaga slicer or something. Um, but you know, but you look at NBC. NBC's got 60 years worth of programming sitting in a vault somewhere, mm-hmm. and I mean the, the ways in which they can repackage or gimmick that up to fill the broadcasting hours are limitless. That's true. So I think that the end, the writers are going to get something, but they're going to get much less than they're asking for just because they're going to have to get They just don't have the financial wherewithal to outweigh the studio. Which is well, impossible. whatever they did, whatever the deal is with Letterman specifically, is the deal everyone needs to work out with them because that apparently made them happy. Right, and which, of course, is, you know, makes Letterman look like a great guy, you know, because Letterman, it makes him look, it positions him... A, it gets him back on the air with a fully functioning show, and B, it positions him as a you know a guy who cares about his writers. So he's oh, that's he, true. He is coming. Jay Leno's a guy who cares about his writers too. Again, the the writers are not angry with Jay Leno. They feel Jay Leno is being forced back into right. work. Um, you know that he wants to get his other folks working again, and the studio says no. Unless you go back on the air, nobody works. They all get laid off. So he's you know he's kind of being forced in. He can't. He can't make that. He can't sit down with the union and say, "Okay, let's hammer this out." Because in three hours, the union told me this morning, three hours, Letterman worked out a deal with him. Right. You know, and, and this has been going on for eight weeks. I mean, well, good lord. Well, it's going to have to wait till this. What's going to have to happen is this whole thing is going to be over, and then Bill Carter or Tom Shales or somebody will, you know, they'll, they'll put out a book about, you know, what happened behind the scenes, which yeah. uh, which I'll be curious to hear about. So, all right, my friend, uh, as always, a pleasure. You on tomorrow? Oh yeah. All right, we will speak to you tomorrow. Until then, may your day be satisfying. Oh, thank you, sir. All right, thank you. Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen, fantastic. All right, take a break. Come back after this. Tim Riley is preparing news, stylishly attired in a turtleneck sweater. And uh, let's see, what else do we have coming? Oh, Lisa Desjardins later on. Uh, Top five exciting Britney Spears news. Religious nutcase uh, watch. Geek watch uh, and all that. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior, Tim Riley. Time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Did you know that if you buy cigarettes in Oregon, as of the uh, new year, they have to be fire safe? That means if you leave them burning, they... They automatically shut themselves off. Well, that's me how they get to do that. Well, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. So, uh, apparently, uh, now it's illegal to sell the old kind, and merchants face a $1,000 fine. Oh, man. Well, but what's happening to all those... Can they can they ship those to another state or something? Sure, why not? <laughs> are you just... Do you know, or are you just granting them permission as Tim Riley? Well, I think they would be. I hereby give you... Well, who knows? I mean, this, the government isn't especially kind to the purveyors of tobacco uh, in this country. But, well, that's kind of cool. That's like, you know what it is? I was thinking about this last night as I was ironing this shirt. Um, you were ironing? I iron. Oh, all right. I'm not allowed to iron? Oh, I didn't say you're not. I, Shirts don't just miraculously become wrinkle-free. I didn't, I didn't think you were an ironing type person. Did you think that was woman's work? No, I just thought it was something that you just don't do. 
Well, the shirts are wrinkled. If I need something to not be wrinkled, I just put it in the dryer. Yeah. Well, put I, it on I fluff. now is it now is that the let, welcome to the welcome to the the uh, the, the home ec hour. Now, I have always heard, but I don't know that this is true. If you have something that is wrinkly, is the deal that you sprinkle it with water and then put it on, put it on like a delicate? You could, depending on what your dryer things are. I mine says uh, no heat fluff. Oh, okay. I have the heatless, the heatless, the heatless fluff. <laughs> um, I enjoy my heatless fluff. Anyway, uh, so I would then uh, get it uh, sort of damp. And then put it on just uh, just the fluff or the the. the uh... You don't even have to get it damp. Really? Not mine. Just the fluff setting is enough to take out wrinkles. That doesn't yeah. seem possible. Mine does. Well, whatever. Anyway, so uh, well, I was ironing last night with heavy starch, and as I was ironing, you know, because I'm, I'm like everybody here, I'm obsessive compulsive, and so what do you have to do? You have to do eight or nine hundred times. You have to check to see if the iron is on, and then of course it's not enough that I have to actually unplug it and then I turn off the power strip. I have actually I'm not this bad anymore, but I used to actually do this. Check like a thousand times to make sure the iron was in the off position. Unplug the iron, turn off the power strip, and then I would take the power strip plug out of the wall. Because it was, you know, because there's the, the part of your brain that goes, come on, you've already turned the iron off. It's fine. Mm. But then there's that reptile part of your brain that's like, you know, that just is obsessed. Uh, with, and the only way that I will feel secure is by actually taking the iron and putting it in a lead box and then sticking it in the backyard. Um but I'm iron light last night, and I was thinking about what a miraculous invention it is that the irons now have that automatic off feature, mm-hmm. where if you don't touch it for like four minutes, it just turns itself off. I don't know how I lived before that. I must have just been a ball of neuroses then. Uh, anyway, so cigarettes burn themselves out now. Yeah, they, they have these uh, special markings next to the barcode. The new ones have either an FSC, an FS, something that says LIP, L-I-P, or an R-I-P, rest in peace, a blue diamond bar above the UPC or diamond symbol. Well, okay. So try to memorize all those. Yeah, try, to, try to get on that right now. It's like memorizing. Here's a question. Do any of you know how to correctly interpret the TV rating system when that thing appears on the screen, that little box in the upper left-hand corner? They don't do it every time. Well, they do it. I think they have to do it on the half hour. Hmm. I think they're required to do it on the half hour. Yeah, I, I know a lot of the cable TV. stations have gotten lax. Uh, really? Yeah. I was watching The Shield the other night, and it came up, and it's like TVM S. Seven nine four, but then there's like little codes that indicate why you have that rating. I would get if you pulled a hundred people, I bet ninety percent have no idea what that even means, and I'm one of them. I don't have any idea. That's Nothing. how I used to know whether or not I fast forwarded far enough from the commercials because they used to put it up in the left hand quarter it, after the break. It's a marker. Yeah, yeah, after the break. Interesting. All right. Uh, so cigarettes and blah blah blah. Oh, and today that new texting thing goes into effect in Washington. Oh, in Washington. Yeah. Washington only. The you can no longer text while driving. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, we were, uh, you know, that uh, we had mentioned yesterday that that law went into effect today, or yesterday rather, this year, where you can no longer text. And so, as I was driving last night, uh, I was looking in traffic. This was in Portland, but looking in traffic next to me, what is it? Woman driving and texting on the phone, and you can absolutely tell. It's it's going to be. I mean, people say, oh, you can enforce that. It's easy to enforce, especially at night. Because you look over, and the woman's holding a big glowing thing in front of her face and pecking at it with her thumb. So, anyway. I can remember, like, uh, tons of people, if you're on the Hollywood freeway, people reading the L.A. Times. It's all sprawled over their dashboard. It's totally. all stop and go. You might as well read the paper. It I've done that. that long. I've been the guy reading a book in traffic. Uh-huh. I have been that guy sitting there just, you know, one hand, you know, in a Dean Koontz novel and the, uh, the other hand on the wheel. Yeah. Well, the OSP made 98 to UIRS over the four-day New Year weekend. That's up from 81 a year ago. They're doing much better. Uh, let's see. The best one was the OSP unit in Springfield making 10 arrests. 
Coos Bay, Roseburg, and Salem each had nine apiece. Uh, six people died in crashes during the weekend. Two were pedestrians. One killed a mother and daughter. Uh, last year, there were four deaths and four crashes. A female sperm whale washed up on the Oregon coast. And the next day, researchers arrived, finding a man trying to steal the jaw and the teeth out of the dead whale. The man... Oh, this is gross. Well, let's read it now, then. No. Okay. Well, uh... uh no. <laughs> is that an executive decision by the news department? Yeah. Okay. I mean, let the poor thing rest in peace. You don't steal something dead teeth unless you're a Nazi. Yes. So, uh, the uh, sperm whale's teeth average five to seven inches in length and weigh two pounds each. Now, what do you do? Bring these to a pawn shop for whale's teeth? I, I don't... I really don't know the answer to that. Well, I hope he gets in plenty of trouble, because that's just a bad thing to do. Here's a question for Tim Riley. Yes. Uh, hello. Hi. You have a question for Tim Riley. Yes, I'm at uh, cigarettes that put themselves out. I was just curious, is that law? You might not know this, but does that apply to rolly cigarettes as well? And how do you get a rolly cigarette to put itself out? And is that a chemical substance, or is it the paper? Just and please identify the chemical substance and give its position on the periodic table of the elements, Tim. Yes, Tim, and give me the answers to the universe Well, they can't well. apply to rolling papers, though. No, it can't. Okay. All right. Does it, uh, Tim? Just... Let's see. Contact the Oregon State Fire Marshal's office at 503-373-1540. I wouldn't think it would apply to rolling papers because there's no um, because there's no standard position on rolling papers because it depends on how you roll it, how full you fill it, how tightly it's rolled, right? And how informed you get off it. Yes, that's and, right. and, You know, and uh, yeah. So I wouldn't imagine that applies to rolling papers, but we're not lawyers, sir. Okay, All right. See what uh, Best thank show you. ever. Thank, thank you. you. Bye now. All right. Let's see uh, if I can find out any more about these so-called fire-safe cigarettes. In the meantime, do you want to hear an email about um, terrible radio? Sure. Dude, I just got back from my Christmas vacation visiting my family back in Utah. I just wanted to email you because I don't think I'd ever realized how truly terrible Utah radio was until you talked about it on the air. A former station of relevancy, X96, which is like that's like their... Uh, that's X96. Like, that, X96. That's like their KNRK or whatever they call it station now, um, which Rolling Stone oddly named as one of the top five stations in the country a year and a half ago. Um, they were in the midst of, I'm quoting up in the email, he says, X96 was in the midst of, quote, a rock out with your bleep out weekend. Oh. Welcome to 1998. He says, this was proclaimed often by DJs in commercial spots, much to my constant embarrassment. He says, I should note that apparently nothing worth taking your bleep out for the purposes of rocking has been recorded in the six years since I moved away. Fortunately, podcasts of the Rick Emerson radio program cleansed the palate and passed the time more quickly. Happy New Year, Rick Emerson. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, too, Jason. Oh, and Happy New Year to Jeff McGinley's brother-in-law named... Who's now listening to us in Berlin, Germany. Oh, really? Uh, via the uh, World Wide Web. Hmm. All right. So, uh, apparently, this bill was to go against big tobacco, so I guess it's just regular cigarettes that come in packs. I don't see what how else they can enforce that. I wonder, you know, I love the big tobacco, big pharmacy, big, you know, what else? Is it, uh, there's some other, isn't there some big, um, big some gulp? Other, big gulp. Um, there's some other industry that they call big whatever. The big three automakers. What no, if we started calling, on, we should just call ourselves big radio. No, that's a dumb idea. I've said that, and it's stupid. Let's forget that I had that idea now. Well, okay. We have those big tall towers up on the hillside. That's true. All right, here's Tim Riley. So we have other things to talk about here, including when a burglar broke into a Medford pharmacy looking to snatch some drugs, he was foiled by a fog. Now, this dense fog is a new technology. It's offered by the alarm companies. 
It makes it possible for the rapper to find the sought-after narcotics if he can possibly find his way through the fog. Well, they can't. A pharmacy break-ins are, are a big deal here in Oregon, and now drugstore owners are stepping up their efforts to protect their businesses, using everything from grates over windows and doors to alarms and surveillance cameras. The fog prevention is the latest twist. It adapts a fog machine used in the entertainment industry to create an extremely fast-spreading, long-lasting, dense fog that is triggered by motion detectors and other sensors. See, here's the thing. You cannot talk about a thick, dense fog and, quote, getting into the pharmacy mm. in the same sentence now without triggering horrible, horrible mem uh, memories of the movie The Mist mm -hmm. to me. Oh. Oh. So this fog is... Made ah! You combine water with uh, glycol, and it has a soft mint smell. That sounds good. It can fill up a room in three to five seconds and block visibility for at least ten minutes. It can last up to an hour or be removed in about 15 minutes with ventilation. doesn't leave a residue. Uh, in the Medford case, police arrived two minutes after the alarm was triggered to find the shop filled with fog and no suspect around. When the fog cleared and the pharmacist checked the inventory, only a few bottles of cough syrup were gone. That's a far cry from thousands of prescription painkillers that were stolen in past burglaries. Uh, the state law requires controlled substances at pharmacies to be secure, but it doesn't list specific security arrangements. So there. Uh-oh. A toxic fungus is when we across Oregon. <laughs> That's the best headline of the year so far. A toxic fungus in the woods of the Pacific Northwest that drifts into people's lungs is called causing illness, and in some cases, even death. It's out there, and it, it has affected a handful of Oregonians. Most recently, somebody from Junction City, a lady, was hospitalized for four months. The fungus has sickened 180 residents in the Northwest and killed eight people since it was first detected on Vancouver Island in 1999. Now, previously, it was associated with uh, tropical and subtropical climates. Nobody's quite sure how it got here in uh -oh. Oregon, but scientists say it may arrive on an important plant or bird. I don't like the sound of this. The symptoms include severe cough, shortness of breath, often accompanied by chills, nightly sweats, and starvation. You may have it. <laughs> Thanks. Um, oh, I have some Dick Clark audio. Do we want to hear it? Yeah, I do. All right, I have not pre... Oh. I have not pre-screened this, but I'm hoping it's better than the audio we had yesterday, which was passable, but not very good. So, again, just to describe uh, Dick Clark, and again, we say, I say this is preemptively, because somebody called up and read me the riot act about our Dick Clark conversation yesterday. Uh, we love Dick Clark. He's an American icon. He's America's oldest teenager. He is. He is a living legend. Uh, he is rich and famous. I am neither of those things. Uh, so, you know... You know, and, and you know, and, and I'm not trying to make light of the fact that he had a stroke. You know, I'm not trying to minimize that. Um, and you know what? And I do think there's something to be said. Well, there's something to be said for doing it Carson style, where you you go out when you're still perfect, and then you never reappear again. You know, Betty Page style, where you vanish and people remember you in your prime. I like that better. There is something to be said for playing through the pain, and you just say, you, just, you know what? You just say, like, I I will go when the cold death of hand comes and grabs me. Until then, you won't get rid of me. I can see why Dick Clark continues to do this. I really can. But as I say, it's like when you meet someone, like, let me ask you this. Sure. Do you ever meet somebody who has a weird eye and you're not sure which one to look at and you wish they would just tell you or wear like a name tag? Look at my left eye. Because one eye is pointing like at you and the other one's occasionally pointing at you, but like then sometimes rolling up to the ceiling or something. And you're sitting there watching their face going, which, which eye am I supposed to? And then you know they know. Like, you know that they are aware that you are trying to figure out which eye to make contact with. And you wish that they would just wear a shirt or something. Like, it's the left eye that works. And you kind of go, okay. Uh, and they and we diffuse the whole thing. Um, if Dick Clark would just sort of 
make a little brief speech addressing the stroke and just saying, you know, F it, I'm Dick Clark, I'm not going anywhere, I'm staying here forever. You know, I, you will have to pry the show out of my cold, dead hands. That'd be great. What he does now is he comes on and doesn't talk about it at all, which means that there's just all this unbearable awkwardness and tension. Um, so first you see him and you go, well, he looks old, but not that bad. He looks a little waxy. Oh, and he somehow developed a weird David Letterman gap between his teeth. He's got this huge space between his front teeth, which didn't used to be there, um, which lends more credence to Aaron's theory that it's his voice, but that he's been CGI'd somehow, that his appearance has been tweaked by Robert Zemeckis. And then he opens his mouth to speak, though, and the whole house of cards just implodes. Just the whole Potemkin village folds. Let's see here. Now, hopefully, this will play correctly here. Let's see. Honor for me to do it with a real TV legend. He is with us again, and everybody is thrilled about that. Ladies and gentlemen, back here in Times Square, once again, Mr. Dick Clark. Thank you, Ryan. It's great to be back for another New Year's in New York. Well, there are about a million people in the Times Square, billions more looking all over the world. So, leaving aside the fact that he sounds like he's about to say brains and lunge for your spinal column, it's just, it, it, like, as soon as... It doesn't as... make you feel festive. No. <laughs> no. It really doesn't. <laughs> He's in the dictionary next to kill joy. Um, as soon as he speaks, though, you just feel this huge overinflated balloon of tension where you're just kind of like, oh, would you just, yeah. It's like someone has put just a saran wrap film of awkwardness over the whole show. And you just kind of want him to crack a joke or something about it. You know what I mean? And it's like having those old communist leaders who are elected when they were 90 years old and two months from death. Nobody dares to say a thing about them. Or the Pope. They will stand there and wave. Just remember how the Pope, for the longest time, Pope John Paul II, would just... And every, you know, hooray, the Pope still got it. You know, like he's Mario Cuomo. Like the Pope would come out and... He really is energetic. Remember they used to put out those press releases? He would be slumped over in a chair. Looking like a dead Gerber baby. He's really very active. And the Pope would just be basically just whistling out some vowel sounds between his gums. And then they would come out as though he was one of the master orators of our time. You know, what did the Pope say? brains. And then they would just say, like, my mole wetness running down my leg. No, the Pope is really very busy. He keeps a full schedule. Bam! The Rick Emerson show is back. Um, anyway, so Dick Clark, of course, because he is from the old school, and of course in the, the old school of broadcasting, is where, you know, you were on all the time, and you had this persona, and you never let the persona drop, and you never gave anybody even a small glimpse into your real uh, world. I mean, when is the, can anybody ever remember ever seeing Dick Clark on television, where you got a glimpse sort of at, like, the real person. I mean, the only time I think I've ever seen Dick Clark when he wasn't sort of acting was in uh, Bowling for Columbine when Michael Moore ambushed him outside of one of his studios uh, about that, like, crack house thing he was I, I do with. know that he sleeps because once he did a, uh, a mattress commercial... So Dick Clark does sleep. So, really? Yeah. Does he sleep while plugged into a wall to I recharge his he, cybernetic energy? He sleeps with his wife. Who he never actually mentions. No, no. 
Because um, you mentioned something like Phoebe and I. Well, who's Phoebe? Well, that's his wife. He, they've been married for several years. He just never mentions his wife. And for the longest period of time, him and his wife, because you would see her pop up on the, the Rock and Eve. That was part of it. Is he would he would kiss her at midnight. And for the longest time, it looked like when they kissed, he was actually sucking out her life force because oh, she he was, was kissing his grandmother. <laughs> because she would age. I mean, like she was the portrait of Dorian Gray. Or she would age every year, and he would stay the same. And now suddenly, whang, it's all caught up with him. So, but because he's from that old school of broadcasting, he never lets the persona drop, and he does not address anything in his private life. So, to the casual observer, imagine if you didn't know he'd had a stroke somehow. Like, I suppose it's possible. I guess it is conceivable that if you maybe weren't listening to the news or you missed this part of the, you know, you were gone for six months or something, you wouldn't know he'd had a stroke, and you would just wonder why they had put this guy on television. So, and night at midnight, they're going to see a brand new ball come down. It's going to be great. So don't you dare wait. There, there is nothing written about this anywhere. No. Anywhere. No. If I was there, it was taken off. There is no reference to this television period. And again, lest anybody think that I'm trying Somebody to... Somebody said it was coming, and then after that, there was no mention that it actually occurred. And someone... We had a, a, somebody called him and thought that I was being very disrespectful yesterday. It was you know, tearing me up one side and down the other about this. And I pointed out... What I said is this. I just pointed out that you can't, like, you can't not acknowledge it. That's the thing. As, and Tim noted, you just said that the, main, the mainstream media isn't addressing it at all. I'm not trying to, like, trot on the guy. He had a stroke. It sucked. What are you going to do? I'm, but, but, like, to not point it out, like, it would be conspicuous by its absence if we didn't. Like, how can you not mention that? There's a guy on one of the biggest broadcasting nights of the year who actually cannot speak. Uh, who has been given control of a television program and yet who cannot form words? It's like the days of you know the old studios controlled every aspect of what oh, you yeah. heard. It still controls everything that he does. Uh, let's see if I have him doing the countdown. Let's see. The, I think um, he was a little behind. Oh man! Oh, the, well, he was he was uh, the countdown. You think they would have slowed it down for Dick Clark? But apparently he doesn't have that power anymore. I was going to say that slowing things down for him is now no longer a problem. Yeah. I say that that would be redundant at this point. No, Dick, slower. No, 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 slower. No, less intelligible, please. A little more mumbling? Thank you. Uh, so he already said four or three times. <laughs> so this is Dick Clark, and this, I think, is the one with the bad audio, where it's, I think it's somebody... No, who, no, that's a good audio. <laughs> well, it's, it is hard to tell. Uh, I think this is someone just holding... The um, holding the, the, the call like my a, fingers, Dick. The microphone up to the uh, to the television. Let's see here. Yeah, it's bad audio, but I think We're you can hear. Midnight, so get ready for the most colorful scene you'll ever be a part of. You know they try all over the world, all over the world, to equal that celebration, but there's nothing like it anywhere in the world. And soon we'll see. Does he kind of sound um? He kind of sounds sort of Germanic or Soviet or something. Kind of has that Frau Blucha thing going on. Yeah. But, yeah, first of all, this is clearly a fake backdrop. He is not in New York. Um, I will guarantee you he is at one of Dick Clark Productions' studios, and probably not even this. It was probably taped days in advance. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got to know that they wouldn't let him on TV live at this point. Right. Um, so this is a, a fake backdrop, pre-taped, I'm saying. And then Aaron does firmly believe, and I think he read some rumor or he heard something, that it's his voice, but that they pre-taped it and that they did a little CGI work on his appearance to smooth it out. Which, like, would that surprise you at all? No. Um, especially he has that power. Well, <laughs> because of the many hearts he's consumed. 
especially now if you watch, and the example I give was um, if you watch football, which I don't, but if you do watch football occasionally, you'll see the first down line is now computer-generated onto the screen. So when you watch watch football, and it used to be just like a bad yellow line, but now the first down line on televised football, it says like third and five, and it is so well done that it looks like it's spray-painted on the grass, like it looks like it's part of the field. Fox, and, Fox did that for a year when they did hockey coverage. And they CGI the hockey punt. You yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And then people complain they got rid of it. And they CGI advertising now, and it, none of it looks fake. It all looks. And they do that on the fly. So if they had weeks in a Dick Clark production studio, they could absolutely gump his ass. That new ball drop from the number one Times Square. Are you ready, Wayne? I am so ready, boss. We are here with the biggest stars of 2007. Carrie, of course. Miley, the Jonas Brothers. And they have never seen anything quite like it. I mean, you were telling me it's just fantastic. I think this is the countdown. I'll wait if I missed it. I think I may have missed the actual countdown. All right. Well, his his countdown is really, it's just, oh, wait, here we go. Let's see here. 14, 13, 12, Those are not 11, real seconds. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 3, 2, happy new year. Oh, so awkward. <sighs> Where was 4? I, I don't know. And I think there was supposed to be a 5 in there somewhere, unless, yeah. uh, unless like, our Arabic counting system has been changed. But what do I know? Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Dick show. Clark does not like the number five. <laughs> it was the saddest thing ever, Rick. It really was. And again, it was the it, end of the era. And not only that, but if you were saying that he always kissed his wife at the yeah. end of his sex life, he was kissing some gal, and it looked like he was second life force out of her. I was wondering who in the hell it was. They never said who it was. They never said his no, wife. He doesn't exist. Oh. No, it's it a, yeah, I, I'm assuming it's his wife, though, but now that I think about it, I don't really know. I don't think they've ever identified her. And, and it looked like his face was so tight over whatever. It looked like he was wearing dentures. It didn't fit right, and that's what also hindered his speech. It was the saddest thing ever. And she pulls away, and there's a toothy smile stuck on her face. <laughs> totally. Just like the polydent frozen grin. Um so, you know, as I always said, Johnny Carson to me is the gold standard in so many ways. But, you know, you got to give it – Carson was so great in that – in 91, he was just like, you know, he's, I bid you a very fun good night. And then he gone, never, he did one appearance on Letterman uh, for like 10 seconds. And then about seven years later, he did an interview with Esquire magazine for which he allowed himself to be photographed. But really, you never saw Johnny Carson again, ever, ever. He bowed out and he vanished and he never came back. And they had, they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm living on a yacht off the Serengeti you know, coast. And they're like, well, all right, you know, I mean, same thing. He just, and like Betty Page. Betty Page retired and vanished to Florida. You know, that's it. She knew enough to stay out of the public eye. So not so with Betty White. She is the female Dick Clark. <laughs> the, and the sad thing is, that, of course, this is how we will remember Dick Clark. That's the unfortunate thing. Yeah, but there's also ones like Joan Rivers, who shouldn't be seen anymore after all that terrible, terrible plastic surgery. It is true. Thank you. Happy Thank New you, Year. Thank you, Miss Whoever. Thank you, my friend. All right. I don't remember Joan Rivers ever looking normal. That's the weird thing about Joan Rivers. I don't remember a time when she wasn't some weird, hideous, plasticky crone. I think back in the days when she hosted Carson. Was she attractive ever? No. Was she always kind of... Now she looks younger than her daughter. 
But she she was always kind of weird looking, wasn't she? Alien type. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, let's do these calls, and we'll break. We'll come back with more news with Tim Riley. Uh, hello, hi. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Oh, that would be me. Yes. Hello. Hi. Actually, she was he was kissing the uh, crypt keeper. But moving right along. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember the many times that your truck has been stolen that you've gotten it back? Yes. Remember the last time it had cigarette tubes in it? Yeah. That's what the middle class America is making their cigarettes out of now. Those they have filters in them. They're pre-rolled papers, as you were. But they're called cigarette tubes. Nobody uses papers anymore except the guys on the uh, on the on ramps of uh, freeways with the bad signs. But how do you? It seems like a. It seems easier to roll a cigarette with a rolling paper than to somehow get tobacco into that tube without crushing it somehow. Au contraire. <laughs> There's a fancy, fancy little inexpensive machine that you put your tobacco into, and it fits into the tube, and then you go, boom, boom. And it loads it up, and you're smoking way cheaper than the government wants you to be. My grandfather used to do that. Really? Roll his own cigarettes. Now, rolling yeah. it, I mean, I'm not a smoker, but, I, you know, if I were, I would roll my own, because it's kind of cool. It is. It's kind of rebellious. Yeah. All right. Thank and, and it draws yes. a crowd. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah. And then you look kind of styling. Like, if you can do it right, it's like having a Zippo lighter. Yeah, Makes Tasha rolled her own cigarette. Totally. Oh, speaking of my truck being stolen, um, you know, my truck has been stolen three times. And we we finally why, bought, were the, why would a middle class person be stealing your truck? I don't That's, know. I, I don't understand that part. We did buy the uh, we bought the club then, and uh, and you know people make fun of that, but I'll tell you this: we went out the other day, and someone had uh, pulled our radio almost completely out. Of, and by the way, the radio in my truck is worth like four dollars. Um, I mean, it's not even worth. In an hour, you could make more money. Wait, uh, where were you parked? In front of my house, of course. But Lara goes out in the morning, and someone had tried to rip the radio completely out, and there was like one bolt that had kept it in there. At the lowest, most menial job imaginable, you could work for 10 minutes and make more money than that radio is worth. So I do say that they did try to steal the radio, and almost assuredly they would have stolen the truck uh, had it not been clubbed, because it's just worth, it's just more trouble than it's worth to them at that point. So they, there was an attempted fourth uh, robbery of the truck. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Hi, what's up? Hey, did you see on uh, Dick Clark where um, he screwed up the lines? It's hard to believe. What did he say? Well, he was trying to read it, and he's like, all oh, the heck with this. I can't read this garbage. And Secret stepped in and tried to help him out. And then Clark, Dick Clark was giving Ryan Secret a hard time. He's like, well, I hope you have a hard time doing this. I hope it's cold out there. And then he told Seacrest to go away, and Seacrest didn't. He stopped and read the rest of the lines that Clark was supposed to be reading. Oh, I didn't uh, see that. Oh, I wish that I was, had. That was after the ball dropped. We watched until about quarter to one, and all this went on. And Dick Clark just gave up at that point to the hell of it. <laughs> just gave up and slumped over, a little red light beeping on his chest. Yeah, it was, yeah, but he was just a train wreck. Even my wife was like, he's still alive? She's like, his mouth looks all funny, like it's CGI'd as well. She's like, see? it doesn't look right. See, that's what I'm saying. Now, again, I should say, I don't have any hard proof, but we have... That almost immediately there was word leaked somewhere or posted somewhere that they had CGI'd partially his appearance sure. uh, and and kept his voice intact. So, but I know when he screwed up those lines, and just gave up. Secret did step in and put his arm around, but that's when Dick Clark told him just to go away, and he wouldn't. <laughs> That'll be, he'll be banished. You don't you don't do that to Dick Clark even now. All right, thank you. <laughs> All right, take care. All right, we'll come back after this more of Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, so many watchers, probably a ton of stuff to get to. I know it. A billion news stories. All right. 
Uh, Brittany watch. Religious nutcase watch. Oh, with the most evil picture of the Pope that's ever been taken, and that is saying something. More to come. You said it's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. All right, coming up later, we have what promises to be an unspeakably awkward interview. Uh, not conducted by me for a change. Plus, the Inquirer with its many pregnancy rumors. Uh, later on, Lisa Desjardins, top five. Um, talk, we'll do a little bit more uh, New Year's discussion because I have this uh, I sort of a video game observation to make later. This, however, is Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Happen to, uh, to watch Larry King on New Year's Day. No. Yeah, Jack Hanna and his animals on. Really? And Larry's like totally oblivious to the animals he's bringing out. He's just reading about them on an index card. Yeah. And then the worst part about Larry King is he has some young kids. Of course. So as he's bringing them on stage, he doesn't know who they are without reading about them on an index card. <laughs> Excellent. It's just, did you, I don't know if I played this. Did I tell you about this or did I just read the email? When Larry King was interviewing Ringo Starr and Paul McCartney a couple uh, some time back, and he called Ringo George, he said, "So George, I have a question about." And yeah, he has no idea what's going on. Who misidentifies a beetle? He never looks up. Just sitting there staring at his three by five cards, which yeah. have been meticulously prepared by others. He's like, "Now bring on the macaque." <laughs> really? And he goes, "So George, I have a question." And Ringo actually goes, "No, no, no." I'm Ringo, which is like, they've got to be the most awkward thing ever. Yeah, he, he never looks up to pay attention to what's in front of him. Ever. God, boy, it's just, it, I, I don't My even know. Larry King and we're not. So I was just going to say. I, more people who just keep going. There's just, you know, somebody strips him down at the end of the day and hoses him off and somebody rolls on another set of clothes or suspenders and they prop him out front like uh, Commander Pike for an interview. So, you know, what are you going to do? All right, here's Tim Riley. Well, a new report on the fatal Christmas Day mauling of a California teenager and wounding two of his friends at the San Francisco Zoo indicates the two surviving brothers had slingshots in their possession at the time. Are you kidding me? Slingshots. I wonder what those were used for. Taunting! There are also reports of an empty vodka bottle found in the car used by the men that day. Uh-huh. Officials suspect they may have used those slingshots to taunt the tiger, who eventually went on a rampage and killed one. Uh, they ultimately killed the tiger. Oh, it is, it's just so satisfying. But a group gathered yesterday to mourn the loss of Titania the Siberian tiger, calling it a celebration of compassion. Uh, there is no shortage of opinions in the group that uh, first met via the Internet. I just have more compassion for people than I do for a wild animal that should have been left in the jungle in the first place. I care as much about animal rights as I have human rights because we have taken everything that they had. Cats don't murder, and the cat did not murder anybody. After a short memorial for the tiger, the residents erupted into a heated discussion about the controversy. Well, yeah, it does. But I just think that I just think that we're in a society do. that cares more about animals than it does about people. And I'm for it. We've got you know, and, and it, I don't think it's right because if we're for that, then how are we going to help our own people? I feel bad for everybody involved. You know, there wasn't really much of a happy ending for anyone here. It's a tough situation, you know, combining wildlife with domesticated life. Yes, the tiger attack is a lose-lose situation. I feel bad for everybody involved. You know, there wasn't really much of a happy ending for anyone here. Tell that, tell that last guy to choke on one, huh? The uh, that, the idea that somehow the guys go in, presu- my opinion based on the evidence presented, possibly drunk and perhaps taunting the tiger with a slingshot. Mm. 
Uh, you know, I, I always root for the animal in these situations, and I think I speak for most of us here. I always root for the animal. Every time elephants trample a village somewhere where some people have decided to start doing construction and raising the trees, I'm all for it. So, yeah. And regardless of an attack by a man or an animal, teenagers are usually taunting something or somebody. <laughs> and it's true. It, it's funny because it's true, Tim. Uh, Jack Hanna says this is a very strange situation. Uh, since it's the first time that three boys that really didn't love animals on Christmas Day at 5 o'clock when it's getting dark, going to a zoo, number one, there's something wrong with that altogether. Yes, there is. Where yeah, are the yeah. parents? Where that's, are the parents? That's what I want to know. Uh, hundreds of New Yorkers decided to put on their swimsuits and go for a frigid dip in the icy waters of Coney Island. The Polar Bear Club took its annual New Year's Day plunge. A first-timer named Joan enjoyed the cool swim of the Atlantic Ocean. It was fantastic. It wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it would be, and I shall be back next year. As it felt very cold but very exhilarating and exciting and very invigorating, made you feel alive. As somebody once, as somebody said, I think I read this somewhere as an email or a message report or something, that it just needs to be said, jumping into the cold water in winter is stupid. It just had to be said. So there you go. So stop it. And especially, it's always flabby, uh, the gray, wrinkly old men who do it in, in, like, in Green Bay. You know what I mean? Well, we're drunk and fat and stupid in Wisconsin. Let's jump into a stream. Just doesn't make any sense. Bunch of savages in this world. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, I have uh, a couple quick observations. Yes. Uh, first, when I called up, um, the phone screener, whoever that is. Said, whoever that is. <laughs> some guy. He said, uh, Rick Emerson Show. Oh, hold on. I got some porn playing on my cell phone. How'd that get there? Really? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, hold on a second. Now we have to... Oh, Richie. It's called Sex Panther. Oh, Richie. By ODR. Welcome, Richie. Pungent. I'm sorry. That guy who screened... Hello, that guy who screens the phones. I can't say nothing to them. Did you have porn on your phone? Well, I heard some music in my... In my... In my pocket, and I pulled it out, and there was porn playing on my iPhone. Oh, pocket porn. You want to see? No. Sure. Yeah, I didn't mean to throw it under the Is bed. the pocket porn washable? Funny. Hold on a second. But how is it that you just, quote, just had some porn playing on your iPhone? I don't know. That's why I was tripping up. You don't know. How do you not know how pornography got into your iPhone? Yes. Could be a Christmas gift. Oh, my gosh. Look. I see that. Okay. Well, first of all, let me say that I'm impressed with the clarity and quality of the porn <laughs> on the iPhone. <laughs> Wow, whoa, really? Okay. <laughs> what was that? Uh, nothing. It's just, it's just oh, blue geez. behavior. Scratching an itch. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, what's your sir? Um, how did that come to be on your phone, Richie? I don't know. It, it was in my pocket. Something. It's one of those gifts with a hard to please. Wait, did somebody send that to you? No. no, no we <laughs> can just send you porn on your iPhone. Well, they can, You actually. can? You can? Yeah. Tim perks right up. Really? They, what do you mean? How is it that you can just send someone porn on your iPhone? MP4, just like an MP3. But no, but I mean, don't you have to... It has email, and then when you pull the email up, it pops up. But I mean, wouldn't you have got to you actively... You iPhone. Like, clearly. Wouldn't you have to have actively gone and opened the email and then opened the attachment and saved it somehow? Well, if you don't close out your iPhone, it... It might just start playing pornography in your pocket. Screen, so if it, like, I don't know. A Everybody begins sending Richie pornography on his phone right now. Sweet. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll, we, Richie has a surprise for us. We'll talk to him. In a, uh, I thought that was enough of a surprise. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have many more surprises. All right, sir, what was your observation? I, I just want to, I, I apologize to Richie because I, I just thought it was funny. I didn't want to throw him No, you're surprise. right. It was funny. Okay. And the second thing, I don't have any preamble or context to put this in, mm -hmm. but do you remember Max Headroom? Yes. 
Dick Headroom. Yes. Oh, Dick Head. Dick Headroom. Really? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to contribute. Okay. I'm sorry. That's just funny in many different ways. Yeah, and, uh, no, because he he does look sort of CGI. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's true. It is only, and I'm not trying to further uh, urban legend, uh, but. But that that was sort of the rumor that we had heard is that uh, Rob, and Robert Zemeckis was who we but it could be anybody I suppose that at Dick Clark's production studio they had taped him and then left the voice the same but that they had quote uh, sweetened or cleaned up his image with a little CGI which is like not out of the question at this point so I mean what's the next step from airbrushing anyway that's it's, what I'm saying yep it is airbrushing thank you sir see you later Porn- all right whatever here's Tim Riley. So tomorrow's the big day for the uh, Iowa caucuses. And I think the media has full control because a week ago they were saying, oh, the polls have changed, blah, 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 is ahead by a mile. And all of a sudden, everything's tied and too close to call. They've just decided that's the case. Yeah, just to make people go out and vote. So apparently uh, the race continues to tighten as caucus time grows closer and closer. Democratic presidential hopeful Hillary Clinton tells the Today Show she's not too worried uh, because uh, she's used to seeing fluctuating numbers throughout her career. I never take any of this up and down particularly seriously because I've just been in too many elections. I've watched it over too many years. Uh, former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee uh, has slammed Romney for allegedly distorting his record. If you get a job by being dishonest to get it, how can you be trusted to be honest once you're in that job? Uh, Mitt Romney uh, deflected criticism that he's uh, being attacked by going after uh, Mr. Huckabee and Mr. McCain to campaign ads. What I've done in my campaign is run ads that describe, for instance, Senator McCain as being an honorable person. But I think he's proved you could be honorable and be wrong. But I'm not going to make personal attacks. The thing is, is anybody paying attention to any of this? No. Or care? No, and I've sort of realized this. Two things. A, Fred Thompson's not going to be elected to anything ever. No, he says he's very serious. He's, you know, he's... It's, and when he's, I'm not that interested in running for Pratt Dunn. Uh, secondly, I think we've all, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think there's been a cultural decision made about Mitt Romney. I think we've all over the last couple of weeks realized that he seems kind of mean. He just seems like over, you get the feeling that he'd give you a good, a good whipping if you wronged him. Like in, in the Romney really household. Bored you. <laughs> Eat your peas! Um... The, I get the feeling that he's just a bastard. I mean, just a that he's just a mean person. And I, it sounds weird, but I think you can get that sense off people. And he just seems like a dick. And I think we've all kind of come to that. And you don't want a mean guy for president. He just seems sort of like he's got a dark, evil heart. Yes. I'm surprised there hasn't been one of those. He's on a mission to become president. I'm surprised we haven't seen that headline yet. Somebody can use that. Uh, let's do a, a Britney watch. We had a lot about Fantastic. This. Here's your Britney watch. First one here, by the way, 2008, because we love the guys in Nickel Arcade, mm-hmm. it should be our goal to get that song to somebody in Britney Spears' camp. That'd be great. Just to irritate her. Uh, here's Tim Riley. 
Well, her trial for driving without a license last August in Studio City was put off until the 25th in Van Nuys this morning. Attorney Michael Flanagan appeared on Spears' behalf and said they hope to settle the case very, very soon. Basically, it's a fix-it ticket. If you go out and get a California license... Life. That was it. All right. Uh, frequent paparazzi tiger Britney Spears appeared to be getting cozy with one particular shutterbug. According to OK Magazine... She celebrated New Year's Eve with snapper Adnan Gleblab. Snapper. Her, uh, her two young sons and a court-appointed monitor at a private beachfront residence in California. Uh, Gabe Lebla is the same photographer who reportedly spent the night with Spears last week in her Beverly Hills hotel room. He apparently told his colleagues that he and Spears only had lunch during his visit, but added, it was the best night of my life. Imagine what that hotel room must smell like at this point. Another story. Uh, Friday is Judgment Day for Nickelodeon when Zoe 101 and its knocked-up teen star Jamie Lynn Spears returns to the airwaves. But even with Britney Spears' 16-year-old sister pregnant with the on-again, off-again boyfriend's baby, the network has no plans to yank Zoe from its schedule, nor are officials expecting yeah, any right. trouble. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been an outcry from advertisers and viewers yet. It is a strategy that might actually uh, be sound, says Dr. Robert Thompson, the founding director of the Blear Center for Television and Pop Culture at Syracuse University. There's a Center for Television and Pop Culture? Yes, Syracuse University. I'm in the wrong job. I really am. This is the, I should be cashing in on this now. So, well, okay, first of all, I ask this knowing that no one here has the answer. What is Zoe 101 about? I don't know. It's like a little teeny bop for kids show. But, I mean, it's not. Is it just like a sitcom? Is it like a Saved I by the Bell kind so. of thing? Because, in other words, I guess my thing is, because this would then be the only, this is the last season of that show they can ever do, right? Because she because she is not showing, probably, if they filmed this last year. Right. The new season hasn't been shown yet. So they will show the new season, and then they're hosed, because she's going to be a house after that. So the only way they could do it is to do what they sometimes do on dramas, which is to write the pregnancy in. But there's just no way. If it's like, a, Is it on the Disney Channel or Nickelodeon or something? Nickelodeon, Disney, one of those things. I don't know. They got two. They got a hard choice to make, because they can either take the show off the air and lose the money, or they can keep it on the air and somehow write the pregnancy into the show. That's, that will never happen. Well, see, but again, I don't know about the show. I don't have kids, or and I don't watch Nickelodeon, so I don't know... I stopped watching Nickelodeon when they stopped showing The Third Eye. So I I don't know if if it's the kind of sort of, like, is it the kind of show that does very special episodes? Because if so, you could take the bold decision to write the pregnancy in, which gets would probably get a lot of viewers. That might actually be a pretty gimmick. Yeah, but it's not the people that gimmick. Nickelodeon's trying to get to watch it, though. And they're That's going to true. alienate a lot of people. That's true. And the parents probably don't want their kids watching some little harlot on television. Exactly. All right, so I've got this from The Inquirer. The Inquirer has reported they know how far along she is, hint, it's not what she says, and the sex of the baby. So uh, who wants to guess how far along she actually is? According to the Inquirer, um, who, who they claim they also have the, uh, they have the ultrasound. Tim? Six months. Sarah? I was going to say six months, too. All right. Do we have guesses on the gender of the baby? Do you have a tiebreaker? Uh, I, I have the result in front of me, so I'll reveal it in just a second. Male. Girl. Uh, Jamie Lynn Spears' baby is due due on my birthday, due March 7th. And an ultrasound shows that it's a girl, the Inquirer has learned exclusively. She is apparently six months pregnant. She is now saying she's 12 weeks pregnant, but the Inquirer has learned she is much further along and waited for it. And while her mother demanded she not keep the baby, J.B. Lynn refused, and now the 16-year-old has her heart set on marrying Casey Aldridge, the source reveals. 
Um, to keep it quiet, Lynn Spears whisked Jamie back uh, from uh, whisked Jamie from California back to Kentwood, Louisiana, as soon as she finished filming Zoe 101. Then Lynn demanded that Jamie Lynn not keep the baby. At first, Jamie Lynn agreed, but then Casey talked her Casey talked her into keeping the baby. That guy sees a oh, paycheck. Boy. Um, determined to have her way, Jamie Lynn threatened to run away and marry Casey and go live with Brittany. Oh, jeez. Oh, man. Go oh, with Brittany. Bad. Would that she would do that and that they would, like, let us watch it on television. Um, Lynn, of course, is suspicious of Casey's motives. Blah, blah, blah. So there you go. Uh, so six months along and, uh, pregnant with a, with a baby, a baby girl. So, uh, oh, by the way, Jamie Lynn bought Casey a Ford F-150 for his 17th birthday. Oh, there you go. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the Ministry. Is that the end of our Britney Watch? I believe so, yes. First Britney Watch in 2008 on KCMB, Portland. There is your uh, Britney watch for 2008, the first one. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, this is incredible. A Gettysburg, Pennsylvania couple is celebrating the new year with a baby for the second year in a row. Uh, Becky and Kyle rang in the holiday at Gettysburg Hospital shortly before 5.30 a.m. Tuesday. She gave birth to the hospital's first baby of the year, Faith Lynn Armstrong. Amazing, what are the odds? We were tickled to death last year. We also had the first baby in the county, and everyone is teasing her all along. Sure, she did it again, said the baby's grandmother, Rose. I can already see the headline. Gettysburg is the address for a year's first baby. <laughs> well, Jessica... Yeah. Sorry. Fine. Sorry. Uh, Jessica Simpson is indeed switching genres for her next album. According to Billboard.com, the pop star will record a country music disc... As a follow-up to her 2006 CD, A Public Affair. My prayers have been uh, Jessica, Jessica says country is a natural fit for her because I grew up in Texas. And, and country, you can, you can put out any crap and call it country. Cap in the trash can and it'll sell three million copies. Just put a cowboy hat on anything and people will buy it. They'll love you. Now, it's, and, and, of course, uh, the, the, the observation I have always made is that um, it's like how every junkie sees God at the bottom of the crack vial. Mm -hmm. it, artists, it, they always see country at the end of their failed career. See, bon Jovi. Yeah, well, Bon Jovi, Brett Michaels. You can't go home. Uh, 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 um, freaking, uh, what's her name? The American, uh, American Idol girl. Uh, Kelly Clarkson, Justin Timberlake. Uh, all, Kelly Clarkson go She's got a country song out. She's got a country, she's on a country song. That's right. Mm -hmm. I think couple's playing it. So Justin Timberlake, too. Um, and it's all, it's all, and you know, so it's either when your career is failing or when you're trying to hedge against future failure, you immediately or broaden. guarantee yourself some income. Yeah, you broaden the base by going country because the, the country really is, uh, in terms of, of, I mean, it's just the biggest crap tent. imaginable. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to find a more diplomatic way to put it. Really? Any crap imaginable. <laughs> Strum that guitar. <laughs> I like country. Strum that guitar and grin like a fool. Um, so Hank would have done it this way. Exactly. Um, and that's the other thing is you also have to name check. Your your thing has to, uh, when you talk about when you're pimping your country music record, you've always got to say a few things. Like I've, I've talked before about the stuff that bands have to say at certain points in their career. Jesus. Well, that, like like when a band, like when a band has put out a couple bad records in a row, a band that made a big splash, and then they put out like two two albums in a row that just, that, that, that just blow 
when they go to record their fourth album, they will always say, it's like our first album all over again. We're getting back to what this band is really about, or sometimes getting it back to the streets, going back to the clubs, getting back to what we're really all about. You know, da 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 da. da. Often with the with the guy who produced the first record in like a vain bid to recapture old glory. When a, when an artist is putting out a country record, they have to say that their heart has always really been in country. That's really what they've always been about. Uh, and and then they have to name check Johnny Cash at some point, and then they have to talk about how growing up they were huge country fans. It was always country music in my household. That's I hope you like it. our first album, Catfish Booty. <laughs> Genius. Here's Tim Riley. Well, who would have ever thought? There's been a New Year's Eve shooting at a cemetery. No. Only in L.A. Police is searching for a gunman who shot a man to death at a cemetery New Year's Eve. Uh, Jason Gray was visiting Forest Lawn Memorial Park when he was shot multiple times. The suspect uh, fired after the shooting, and he was pronounced dead at the scene. That's an appropriate place. So. Uh, Forest Lawn is a popular tourist destination. Walt Disney's buried there. What was that? I just heard a noise. <laughs> that was my phone vibrating. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't know what that was. All right. A snake has been saved by surgery after mistaking four golf balls for chicken eggs. Uh, a couple had placed the balls in their chicken coop in Nobby's Creek in South Wales to encourage the hen to nest. They found the balls missing last month and a lumpy python nearby. So they took the 32-year-old snake to a nearby wildlife sanctuary where a senior veterinarian, Michael Pine, operated to remove the balls from the snake. Uh, the snake's balls were removed. And he's now making a speedy recovery. Remove the balls from my snake, please. <laughs> I just want the snake. I don't want the balls. Leave the snake. Just take the balls. How'd you get the balls above the snake, son? Hi. Hi. How you doing? Fine. <laughs> uh, let's go to Florida. Oh, get, ah! I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try. I'm abstaining. Oh, why? Don't even try. Well, I would have messed it up. I would have spilled my coffee. Hmm. Uh, a 12-year-old Connecticut boy is challenging Florida's record for the biggest bull shark ever reeled in. Aiden Murray Medley caught the 551-pound shark just north of Palm Beach. According to the Florida Fishing Game Commission, the state's record is a 517-pound catch in 1981, so he breaks the record. Hooray. This is Aiden's first shark, though. He reeled in a 461-pound shark last year. It was in uh, Florida visiting relatives. Uh, meanwhile, the first babies in Portland in the Cove. A baby was not pulled from the toilet. The first one was born at a hospital. Uh, she's from Woodland, Washington, and the uh, the baby weighs seven ounces. Uh, seven pounds, seven ounces. Oh, somebody sent me in. <laughs> Wait, seven ounces. <laughs> um, it seems like there's some follow-up joke there, but I don't know what it is. Uh, somebody did uh, send me a great, uh, a great little uh, would-be headline for that, uh, that charming young girl who had the baby in the toilet or whatever it was oh, yeah. in the McDonald's bathroom and who apparently submerged her, put her baby in a toilet. Did we ever find out how the baby came to be in the toilet? No, it wasn't followed follow up because the holiday came around. They didn't some reporters. That. And of course, because she is because she's a role model, and we don't want to sully her image. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody because she had the baby in a McDonald's bathroom. Somebody did uh, have the great idea of um, it was an eight-pounder with cheese. <laughs> That's the grossest thing ever. Yeah, I know. Well, now she's like the Jamie Lynn Spears of the Coop. Really? It's no grosser than actually shoving a child that you didn't know you had inside you out of your body into a McDonald's bathroom toilet in Vancouver. I mean, just think about it. If you're in the bathroom, never mind. Yes? It's just so gross. It's like, please, to, please to tell. What was, finish the thought. You she's can't? using the facilities anyway. Oh, really? 
Is that what you're thinking? That's a, isn't that awful? Well, she said, didn't she go to the bathroom because she felt sick? Well, she probably to get permission to get the break. So I wonder if it was to get her smoke on. <laughs> I wonder if it was um the throwing up kind of of sick, or if it was like intestinal distress kind of sick. Because that might. Uh, oh, I don't even want to think about where yeah. that road leads. I was going to say that might that might explain how the baby came to be in the toilet. Why would and I know we asked this on Monday, but why would you have to be told by the operator? That leaving the baby in the toilet was not advisable. That you had to take it out and sponge Fish it off. Take the baby out of the toilet. Please take the baby out of the toilet. All right, here's Tim Riley. I'm going to name her Les Toil. <laughs> Tamper Geek Watch. Here's your Geek Watch uh, for two. The first Geek Watch 2008, ladies and gentlemen. Ugh, this high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Queen Sergeant Lemon, I remember you used to... Just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but... Because we were wondering if the quantum flux... Now, just listen on there. There is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn ship. You got it? Better does. AOL says as of February 1st, the company will end the run of its Netscape Navigator web browser. Raise your hand in this room if you have ever used Netscape Navigator. I don't think I ever have. Really? I don't think... Sarah's probably too young. Really? You might have used it. Netscape, that is the end of an era. The end of the... Netscape, which was the first widely used internet browser ever. Mm. Wasn't the first browser. That was, uh, I think, Mosaic. But um, Netscape was the first widely used... It was the CompuServe. Uh, of browsers. It was the thing that brought the browser to the world. The company says that although people will still be able to download the browser itself, updates including security will no longer be provided. With that said, usage of the Netscape browser will likely taper off until it becomes completely obsolete. Yes, yes, the, the use of the Netscape Navigator browser is going to taper off because it's booming right now. It's going to gradually diminish, though. This was originally launched all the way back in 1994, while the first Internet Explorer browser, arguably the most popular today, launched a year later. Firefox, created by uh, Mozzarella, is a recommended browser update for current Netscape users. That's what I use. I think that's the best one. Firefox? Firefox. Oh, it's, it's the only thing we use here at CBS. Mm-hmm. I use Internet Explorer when I am absolutely required to, when I am compelled to by content. Uh, or there's some CBS sites like that Ike site, uh, which is uh, difficult to use on Mozilla, uh, you know, the Firefox, so I have to use it with Internet Explorer. Um, but you know what's weird is I remember when I read this story the other day, I was going back and I looked online and I saw sort of a timeline of the Netscape browser and how it evolved and looked over the years. And it was weird to look at the 1996 era Netscape Navigator browser and sort of flash back to because that's when I first started using the Internet. And I think that's the first browser I ever used online. It may have been Mosaic, but I think it was the, the, the first one I ever used with any regularity was Netscape. And just to, to think about how far we have come in just 10 years. I mean, so this is this is 2008. So in 1998, I mean, just the, the World Wide Web was still just in its absolute infancy, really, as far as Tim Lizzie of really, I mean, yeah, as far as the general public uh, goes. I mean, it was just it was just sticks and rocks, and I mean, everything was. Uh, do you have this in a real player format? I mean, everything was just unbelievable, and everywhere you would go on the web, there was like some badly uh, like a bad animated you know email icon. Like, at the bottom of the page, there would be some, like, like an animated GIF of, like, a letter folding itself and sealing itself in an envelope. And, like, that's what you would click to email somebody. When everybody thought that every single thing on your page had to be represented by a crude blinking cursor or icon of some kind mm-hmm. that just, like, you know, looped over and over and over again. It's the weirdest thing when you think about it. Uh, all right. So, Netscape Navigator, gone. Oh, by the way, uh, unless Tim has something else, we'll close out oh. the Geek Watch with this. Uh, if you have heard this rumor about... Um, 
the new upcoming uh, Star Trek uh, movie, you know that uh, it is just a rumor at this point, but it may be revealed how James Tiberius Kirk uh, tricked the Kobayashi Maru into allowing him to win. Who's she? It's a long story. The geeks know what I'm talking about. Um, so the Kobayashi Maru, the underpinnings of Kirk's defeat uh, uh, of that program, it may in fact be revealed in the new J.J. Abrams Star Trek film. So uh, be listening for details. There's your geek watch. By Grabstar's hammer, by the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. Next. Oh, loneliness and cheeseburgers are a dangerous mix. Here's Tim Riley. So let's dig even deeper into the evergreen file of Dave Coulier. Uh, the Full House's Dave Coulier is hoping to take the dirt out of stand-up. The actor is founding the Clean Guys of Comedy, a group of comedians who don't <laughs> believe you have to be raunchy to give people good, clean fun. I've done so many stand-up appearances where people have come up to me afterwards and said, oh, Hey, yeah. Dave, thanks for doing a clean show. I really appreciate that. I was here with my parents tonight or uh, my kids, and, you know, just thanks for not swearing. So... It didn't take a genius to put two and two together. And he is a genius, that Dave Coulier. He said it used to be that you had to be a clean comedian to make it big. I've been a clean stand-up my whole career and came up the ranks of The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And back then, you really had to be clean all the time or you didn't get on The Tonight Show. Who remembers any of the great Dave Coulier stand-up bits? I don't. Who takes their parents to see Dave Coulier? Mom and Dad, let's go out Dave tonight Coulier's to see Dave, Dave well, Coulier. Well, I guess like a kid's factor. Maybe, but I mean, how long does that take you? I mean, how the, the kitchen? I think Seinfeld said this in that movie comedian, because they asked him, they're like, "Well, you can just get up and do anything, at, you know." Now you're Jerry Seinfeld, and he and he noted, I think correctly, that when Jerry Seinfeld does stand up now, being Jerry Seinfeld buys him about ten minutes. Where if he sucked, people told, "Yeah, but he's Seinfeld, ha ha, master your domain." Wah, wah, you know, and they just sort of they'll give him a grace period, but after about ten minutes, like he has to be funny. You know, you got to have jokes at some point. And the living proof of that was when, what's his name, Dustin Diamond, uh, Screech from Saved by the Bell. Oh, yeah, he hasn't done anything lately. Did, did he lose his house? Did I? Did either of you guys go to see his stand-up when he no. was in town? No. Did we have him on the show? No. I can't remember. I don't think we were that desperate. <laughs> Probably not. I went to see it, though, at Dante's. Um, I went to see Screech's stand-up set, and it was so unbelievably was awkward. Awful. Right? I left. I left after like five minutes because I couldn't take it. I mean, I made it through the first whatever. I, how, I don't know how long it was. But he came out and he's like, so I'm Screech from Saved by the... He actually said, I'm Screech from Saved by the Bell. And everybody, whoo! And then he just kind of, you know, shuffled around and moved the mic stand a lot and looked at his feet. And <sighs> Well, he wasn't funny on that show to begin with. And he would do a lot of things like looking at the crowd and go, hey, you, sir, you having a good night? All right, great. Thanks for coming out. Did I tell you I'm Screech from Save by the Bell? I tell you, totally. Look at my wacky hair. Hey, I'm wearing a G.I. Joe shirt. And then, like, and it's like my skin was just crawling off of me, so I just I had to leave. So bad. All right, here's Tim Riley. Uh, meanwhile, the striking writers is at a picket lines outside of the NBC studios in Burbank as Leto prepares to go back to work without them. Writer Kit Boss says that they hope to send a message regarding the shows that are going back on the air without their writers. We just want to be out in force to let people know that the strike is still going on and we don't have a deal with those shows. The writers aren't working on those shows. They're going to be second rate as far as we're concerned. And we're trying to convince guests to maybe reconsider their position of appearing on shows that are being struck. Anxious fans gathering outside the Ed Sullivan Theater trying to snag tickets to Letterman as he returns to his late night show. The Late Show with David Letterman, along with other late-night shows, have been showing reruns for nearly two months as the writers have been off the job and on strike. Robin Williams, he must have been hard to find, is slated as Letterman's first guest tonight, and fans waiting to buy tickets say they can't wait 
to see the uh, freshness of this man's humor. Very excited that he's coming back and totally excited that Robin Williams is going to be on. I missed the show and so it's great that they're coming back. Very excited that he's back. Um, just looking for his political commentary. He's funny. Who's really excited about Robin Williams doing anything? I know he hasn't been in at least two movies in the past week. Uh, this email says, uh, the, Mc the McBaby lady claims she didn't know she was pregnant, but she went to the bathroom because, quote, she had uncontrollable cramping and bleeding. Wow. It could be a side effect from out of those. I suppose. Uh, all right, here's Tim Riley. About uh, two dozen uh, loving pit bulls found on the Virginia property of Michael Baker going to a new home in Utah. The Best Friends Animal Sanctuary adopted 22 of the dogs and will keep them on a 33,000-acre sanctuary near the town of Kanab. That's in southwestern Utah. Each dog will have its own crate, and it'll be loaded into a twin-engine charter plane at Richmond International Airport, the same Virginia city where Vic is serving a 23-month federal prison sentence for dog fighting. Each pit bull will be given its own baby to lovingly gnaw upon. Oh, somebody has asked about uh, the, the photos. Did you... um? Did we get a chance? Did you bring in your Invaders uh, VHS? Oh, oh, they're posted. Really? The yeah. clips? Oh, no, I don't have... I, oh, I did bring in the clips to Richie. Yeah. Okay, so Richie has the he has the VHS tape of, of, your, of the Invaders, which we showed for those who missed this. So we talked about this on Monday, I think, that on Christmas Eve, Tim, you, you were watching the Sci-Fi Channel. Yes. And they showed the Invaders with Scott Bakula, um, which you had originally been cut out of that film. But then... As well, as the rest of my alien cohort. So every what did you do? So every so they do they cut the aliens out of the film altogether. Yes. So they were being that was the complaint invaded by a thing by a vague off-screen presence that they never actually showed. Correct. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, but then you were watching it on the Sci-Fi Channel, and probably to pad out the time to make it fill the two hours, they put all your footage back in. Yes. And so you put it on a VHS, and so one of the long-awaited Tim Riley moments will be we'll put that on our website. That'll be on our uh, MySpace page. Uh, and then, oh, oh, and then, and then, Richie left some... Oh, got another exciting oh, piece of experience. Well, Richie's full of surprises. Oh, he yeah. gave me some skills from that other movie I did. Firestorm, Firestorm. It's quite fun. Uh, Richie Bristol, hello. Hello. Um, all right, so uh, you... So, uh, and, and again, I wish we... Uh, I wish I had the audio this handy, but on Monday... So, two things. A, on Monday, we talked about the Invaders, which Tim uh, saw himself in for the first time, and which he's given to you on VHS, yes? Mm -hmm. So, we're going to put that on the site? DVD and put it all over the place. Fantastic. Um, and, uh, and then, on Monday, a listener found some snapshots of Tim in this movie called Firestorm, which is like a movie that I think, not that you'd forgotten you'd done it, but you'd sort of given up hope of ever seeing any of it, right? Yeah. Because it was made, from, made in Australia and, like, was it, never released anywhere. It was made for Australia in Van Nuys, of course, because Van Nuys looks just Van like Australia. Van Nuys, USA. Um, so, and how odd that our films set in America are shot in Toronto, but a film set in Australia is filmed in Van Nuys. That is strange. Isn't um, it? There must be tax breaks. So we found some clips in which you look a lot like Professor Snape uh, from the Harry Potter films, but in which you you do look good. It must be added. Well, well, yeah, that was back in the days when everyone was dying to hear dark brown. Yeah, no, you looked very goth. It was like a, it was like a sort of a spooky Tim Riley. Very yeah. handsome spooky Tim. My acting teacher said, "Get rid of that look." So I did. So, so yeah. Richie Bristol, though, you found this DVD online. Yes. Now it is on. Has it here today, or is it on the way? Uh, it's on the way. It's on the way. Yeah, when do we anticipate the Firestorm DVD being here? Probably tomorrow. Really, it's very exciting, Tim. So I don't know if I get killed early in the film or later, but I only die once. But the exciting thing is this will be the first time you've ever seen the film when it gets here. That is correct, yes. All right. Um, if I had to ask you this, uh, Tim, including shipping, 
How much would you imagine the DVD of Firestorm cost, <laughs> including shipping? Including shipping? Yeah. 19-something. The, 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 the DVD plus shipping cost a total of, you would guess what? 1995. <laughs> Boy, if this was the price is right, you would not only have lost, you would actually have been taken out back and beaten, I think, and left in a dumpster. That's how wrong you are. Richie, how much, including shipping, did this DVD cost? $1.60. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Now, I told you, when I did this movie, that craft services consisted of a bowl of crumbled up potato chips. I know. It's wonderful. It comes as no surprise. Um, Uh, Thank you, Richie. Richie couldn't wait to know. He was like, this DVD cost (laughs) $1.60. And then he paused. Including shipping. <laughs> is that the rush shipping? Is that the uh, get the urgent uh, shipping? I don't know how long. I sent you a link, so maybe you could put send a link for the listeners uh, on RileyLive.com, maybe. Excellent. So we uh, it for a dollar sixty. It's a it's a, well, it's a special. It's There's a, more than one copy. Is that a, what you're telling me? <laughs> yes, they want to get them off the shelves, and it's costing them money to actually have it. So. I'm telling you, uh, for the next listener party, whenever it might be, we should actually hold this footage back, Richie. The Firestorm and Invaders footage? No, we can't do that. We should hold it, and then the next listener party, the key, the centerpiece ought to be the Tim Riley Film Festival. It'll be over in about two minutes. I know, but how great would that be? Loop it. People I know will be that too I... drunk by that point. Uh, no, 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 we'll do it at the beginning, though. I know I'm ruining maybe the surprise, but what would you... With the... I don't know when the next listener party is going to be. Okay. I mean, we don't have anything in the works at the moment. But how great would that be at the next listener party, one of the opening things? A well, conglomeration of all then? of Tim Riley's film footage. Yeah, I think that's too long of a wait. Oh, we can I do think it, so, too. We can do it now and then compile it all later and do it again at the next listener party. That sounds there better. You go. I'll right. just have him dye his hair. We reenact <gasps> You it. should come as your character from Firestorm. We can reenact it. Great idea. I'll have to dye my hair dark brown. All right. But I'd grow out, give myself the U Grant look and part it in the middle. Oh, it's, it's, it, it, you look quite dashing, I would say. You really that, do. That's mid 90s. Like I don't mean that in a snarky way. You look very good there. All right, thank you. All right. So that DVD, we'll let you know as soon as that gets here. So Richie took it upon himself to, uh, to get that DVD. Uh, I'll reimburse you that. Thank you, Including Including shipping. Wonderful. Free shipping. All right. We'll put links up so that listeners can get a copy of it. You know, for the film festival, we can do that. And then, didn't Sarah, isn't like the back of your head in that that new Ron Livingston film or something? I don't know. I never saw it. Me either. Oh, it only played here for like a week. That's unfortunate. Then it quietly was shipped away. They gave us like a stack of passes to that, and we hadn't even had time to give the passes away before the movie was gone. Totally gone. And then we can show an exciting episode of Sarah and I's poker show that we filmed. Over our long hiatus. No, we won't. <laughs> I'm going to dump that comment you just uh, made about one of the sponsors of that program. That's why one should never get involved in local productions. Yes. We learned that lesson. I learned that a long time ago. Yeah. No, 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 I'll pay you. Honest. No, really, I'll pay you. Never trust a man wearing turquoise jewelry. Right. That's all I'm going to oh, say. Oh, man. A guy wearing a big turquoise ring, never trust him. And remember, if you want to get raked over the coals, let it be by somebody in New York and Los Angeles. They're pros. They are. Let it be done by somebody who knows At what they're doing. At least you'll feel better about it. Seriously. It, not and, somebody from, like, Vancouver or Tiger. And I'm not going to identify this guy. I'm just going to say that the guy, uh, the guy who was the so-called brains of this whole operation, boy, just... Just couldn't find his ass. Two hands and a map. You know what I mean? Really, honestly. I mean, just just bad. My opinion, by well, the way. My, the producer of an ill-fated show that I did just vanished out the face of the earth this first, a... without signing any of the legal paperwork, which you have to do. Yeah. So now I have this little illegal production in my background, but it's not my fault. Right. And nobody was paid. Nobody who would work on the crew was paid. And Scotty paid for an iron $15 out of his own pocket. <laughs> To, to iron this green backdrop that it was filmed in front of. 
So that 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 was the uh, the highest priced item in this production. Uh. An iron that Scotty brought. Um, I, here's the greatest moment, um, and uh, I'm walking a fine line here because, on the one hand, I want to single out some of the folks involved with this show that Sarah and I did that were good. There were some folks we worked with who, who knew like what Jack. they were doing. Jack and, yeah. uh, you know, the... Um, As they were when I was doing mine. And the business that was also involved with this, I almost don't want to mention them because they might not want to be associated with the program at this point, but they really knew what they were doing. It's just this guy that was running the operation... Um, boy, it, it just, man, I, I, the, the moment of the defining moment of this whole show was when we were taping the first episode, it was such chaos. I remember walking into the alleged control room where the guy was going to be running the many cameras and sound feeds and recording all of this and walking in there and just a sea of coiled wires everywhere. And the guy behind the board saying, I don't what the F you want me to do? And at that point, I kind of went, oops, sorry, and just walked back out and shut the door silently behind me. That's That was it. That was the conversation between the engineer and the guy running the show. The engineer screaming at the showrunner, I don't know what the F you want me to do. And I just was like, okay, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. So good times were had by My all. marvelous experience was... This wrinkled-up green screen that Scotty was ironing with an iron that he bought from Fred Meyer with money out of his own pocket. <laughs> was he reimbursed? He was never reimbursed <laughs> because the, the producer slipped down yeah. without having assigned anything. Excellent. So, uh, so it's out there and it's out there and completely. Uh, it's on YouTube now. Excellent. Really? Yeah, just for fun. Somebody put it on YouTube. I won't see who. It's it's divided up into different segments. Excellent. Our right. stuff isn't on YouTube, is it? No, our stuff doesn't exist anywhere. Don't challenge the listeners. Please don't find it. No, I mean, you know, whatever. I did eventually get paid, uh, as did you. you. Uh-huh. Sarah and I eventually got paid, uh, not by uh, the person who was supposed to pay us. Mm-hmm. He opted not to pay us. And so he disappeared, too, didn't he? He did. He up and vanished. That's um, what Portland's known for. Yeah, we were eventually paid uh, by one of the, the businesses. Sponsors. Yeah, one of the sponsors uh, stepped up and was very honorable and took care of us because he knew uh, how badly we had gotten the shaft. Uh, and so he stepped up and paid us out of his own pocket. And the only reason I'm not mentioning him is because I think he, the sponsor, might be trying to put the whole event behind him as well. Mm-hmm. So he did step up and pay us out of his own pocket. The guy who was supposed to pay us, he opted not to. He just decided it was better not to pay the... Uh, it was better to just disappear. Better just to vanish. Yeah. And it's a lesson learned. Yeah. No, it really is. It, you know, if people are want you to do things, make sure you get the money up front. Everything in writing and make them pay you in advance. Mm-hmm. That is the lesson. And, you know, as, as Joe... That was my pay in advance lesson. As Joe Tierney says in Reservoir Dogs, you ought to have your head checked if you go forward when you're not 100% on it. If your mm-hmm. gut is not 100%, you get it in writing. Mm-hmm. Have them write it. That's the... I really did learn that. Yep. So, uh... All right. And I never answer emails or phone requests to do something... Can I just, uh, can I tell you this? Um, Just actually, about a month and a half ago, I got an email from somebody. I won't be any uh, clearer, I won't be more specific, but an email from somebody who used to work here. Mm -hmm. We used to work upstairs. And this person left. And I I got the fateful email from this person about six, seven weeks ago. And it said, hey, Rick, you know, uh, miss you a lot. Uh, Hope everything is doing, hope everything is going really well. So, wait for it. I'm putting together a TV show here in Portland. I was wondering if you'd be interested. 
And it's just, you just kind of get the feeling like, oh, no, God. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> what am I stepping into? TV, Portland. Do yes. things you don't want to. <laughs> Never, ever. No, that's my thing is I just, you know, and I emailed back to be polite because mm-hmm. I don't want to burn bridges, you know, with anybody. And right. who knows? But I, like I said, plate's kind of full right now. And so I don't really know that I'd be able to do it. But you keep me in the loop. Yeah. No, TV is people like Rhonda Shelby and all our friends yeah. over there who do television. Oh, no, no, no. That's... And those are the people who should be doing television. That's actual TV. At a place that does television. Yes. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, you know, and the sad thing is the one outlet in Portland for shows like the one Sarah and I did or like you did, that actually is gone now, isn't it? Yeah. So it's not even there anymore. All right. Uh, let's see here. So uh, we're gonna, all going to start off the new year by not being as foolish as we've been. Let's uh, vow to not do any bad TV shows in 2008. Uh, That's yeah, going to be our resolution. Me? I think of that. Uh, Richie, do we have Mr. Skin today? Uh, I've been trying to get a hold of it. I don't think so. I think it's next week. I think it might be the 7th or the uh, whatever next week is the mm-hmm. next Wednesday. I don't think it's today. When were we going to talk to the National Enquirer person again? Uh, you know, we were going to do that every other Tuesday, I think. Trying to. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's the holidays, so I know everybody's still kind of busy. And they're, you know, they got all that. They got John Edwards' love child to deal with and all that. Uh, well, let's do one more here, and then we'll play this awkward uh, John Cusack thing, and then we'll take a break. Here's Tim Riley. Well, police and residents of Vancouver are looking for vandals who have slashed tires on numerous occasions. The damage is centered in areas around St. James Street and O Street in northeast Vancouver. Police believe the suspects are misguided teenagers. Some residents have had the tires on multiple vehicles slashed. One man is caring for his ill father and hopes the vandals take into consideration the importance of operable cars for those lives who depend on quickly getting to the hospital. No such luck. Oh, by the way, I'm looking at this. So Richie found this uh, this copy of Firestorm at HotMovieSale.com. <laughs> Buy cheap DVDs, it says, at HotMovieSale.com. Um, you so, do a great job, Richie, by the way. Well done, Richie. Um, are you being sarcastic? No, I really mean that. All right. I mean, I've looked for this stuff for years, and all of a sudden it comes out of nowhere, all this stuff in one day. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, Firestorm. Now, they've given... Oh, this is... Oh, God. Oh, say it. I, wow. I can take it. I can handle wow. it. Wow. No, please say what, it. What, what? Okay. I'm... Tim, we I'm... all had to begin somewhere. It's true. And for me, it was a Soren Van Eye. <laughs> and I was very happy to crawl into that sewer that hot summer day. I love the show. Um, at least you don't work with boring people. You have to make things up. We don't have to. <laughs> true. <laughs> so go ahead. Sadly, I was just going to say... That we have the utmost respect for you and your acting abilities, and as you said, we all have our roots. So this is we all have dues to pay. Exactly, and everyone has to do. And you know what? You have rent to pay. Yes, we do. We've all done things of which we're not proud. Things that perhaps we would not do now. Mm -hmm. I have have, I have taken many many jobs that were uh, perhaps not like as sterling as they might otherwise have been. Mm -hmm. Terrible, uh, terrible voiceover work, bad DJ gigs. Awful, uh, Sarah and I did embarrassing on-hold messages for a softball equipment company when we were unemployed, where Sarah had to, quote, talk about a shaft that had superior ball-launching action. (laughs) This shaft has ball-launching action. Mm. And he's not kidding. So bad. No, I wish we had a copy of that. Okay. What should I be thinking about? Think soothing relief. Think laxative. You crave one. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... So uh, this uh, boy, this DVD that Richie purchased mm-hmm. for a dollar sixty, including <laughs> shipping, <laughs> and it says right here in big letters, your total price plus shipping, one dollar sixty. 
And $5 off your next purchase, which I, means I, that I guess you could get the next three things for free. So how much out of that does Paul Williams get? I, I really, Who is a star of the film? It's an interesting question. I don't know how that breaks out, actually. I don't get a dime. I know that. Is that true? And that that's a flat fee thing at that point in your career. You, of course, don't get any well, I, I wasn't anything. union at that point. Ah. All right. Yeah. It's a weird pricing structure uh, with, you know, oh, in terms know. of royalties and residuals and yeah. whatever. Because probably most of your acting at this point, well, all at this point, was all before the so-called new media. Right. Did DVD even exist when you did this? No. So, of course, DVD wouldn't have been, even if you'd uh, wanted to do it, it wouldn't have been any kind of contract or whatever. That's I, I saw this movie once at Tower Records on Sunset Boulevard, and I was going to get it. But I had to, to bring something to entertain the masses of people who come into my house, and that wasn't going to be it. So I said, I'll get it next time when I'm alone. So I went back the next time, and I never saw it again. So this DVD that Richie bought, including shipping, mm -hmm. for $1.60, yeah. it's actually two movies on one DVD. <laughs> it's actually Firestorm with uh, you know Paul Williams. Is it Return to Firestorm? And also Scorpio One with Robert Carradine and Jim Spearman. Whoever that is. I should have been casted for that. There are, and it says at the bottom, two action movies, one DVD. That's pretty good. So on, it's a double feature. It's actually, so really, your film is actually 80 cents. It's matinee at the Bijou. <laughs> your film is 80 cents plus okay, shipping. So I want to be more accurate about that. We Accuracy is job one well, I here. I appreciate the honesty. Oh. All right. I feel like uh, to make up for all this, I got to do something embarrassing uh, that I once, you know, did uh, we should some just work. find a copy of that well, poker show. I'll do that, or uh, or I can just. Uh, I was just thinking upstairs somewhere. I have a reel of the old of spots that I used to have to cut mm. of like bad like um, where I was doing like commercial work where I'm talking about like come on down to our big tire sale. You have my Mall 205 one. That's true. Oh, that's uh, I'd have to pull these up a reel though. I really don't have them uh, in a playable form right now. Um, all right. A uh, buck 66, huh? Uh, no, 80 cents. Oh, 80 cents. <laughs> Yours is 80 cents. Uh, both of them together are $1.60 plus shipping, yeah. including shipping. I'm glad I ate most of that bowl of the crumbled up potato chips that day while well, I was waiting for my big death scene. Can I say this? Uh, the craft services that I have had in Portland, though, on, like, all of Joni's production and everything has been fantastic. Joni's had great craft services. Oh, really? Because she knew, she knows, you get Craig craft services, the actors will be happy for the large, for the for the most part. Well, yeah. A class performance was one big craft services that time that we were filming. Just eating pie over and over again for oh, three I'm hours. Oh, I have to start again. I'm sorry, I blew that take off. Need to eat more pie. Uh, let's see. Okay, so I'm going to play this terribly awkward thing, which I have not. Pre-listened to. Oh, I don't want to hear this. Sarah turned this off because it was so awkward. I turned it off as soon as she mentions American Beauty. Oh. This is someone starting an interview with John Cusack. John Cusack, who, of course, was Lane Meyer. He was Lloyd Dobler. He was Rob What's-His-Name in High Fidelity. He was in The Grifters, one of the you know most recognizable actors of our time. We should keep in mind, by the way, John Cusack was not in American Beauty. That was Kevin Spacey. Are we all clear? John he looks Q nothing like him. Yeah, Kevin Spacey, who is bald and wears glasses, and, you know, isn't isn't John Cusack. Kevin Spacey, who is an Academy Award-winning actor and kind of recognizable in his own right. So this is an interview with John Cusack. How are you doing? Nice to see you. <laughs> Sorry. It's funny. I actually was just texting with a friend because I'm missing class right now. You are? And my film class. This is, um... This is at a junket, by the way. And a junket is, um, you don't know what a junket well, is. Peter Carlin goes to. Yeah, a junket is where an actor sits in a room with a poster of the new project behind them, and they bring in one interview after another, five minutes at a time, 
and the interviewers just throw out the question. Roberts and Notting Hill. Exactly. And they throw out, yes, good reference. And they throw out, and, you know, it's just, a, you know, you just sit there, and it's a rotating wheel of journalists. And every journalist gets five minutes to ask questions, and the star just sits in a chair all day and answers the same crap questions to the same moron journalists. So here we go. This is a woman on a junket talking to John Cusack. Text messaging with a friend because I'm missing class right now. You are. And my film class. And it's so funny because they're watching American Beauty today and analyzing it. American Beauty? Mm-hmm. Wow. What's funny about that? You were in that. No, was it? American Beauty? Nope. What's the one with the rose petals? I'm not in that. That's not you? No. Really? No. Really? I swear to God. Am I just very confused? I think you are. I think I am. Okay, I think. Oh, and the thing is, when she says, "Really?" and he says, "She says I'm watching American Beauty," and he goes, "What's funny about that?" And she says, "Well, you're in that." And he immediately leans back and like crosses his arms over his chest, like body language implying, Jeez. "I am like you are now dead to me. I am now not paying attention to the rest of this interview." Well, that was weird too because he said, "It's good to see you again," and she's like, "Hi, it's nice to meet you," implying that she might actually. That is weird. Because he's saying that, like, they've met... Wait, hold on. Now now I have to go back and figure out why that's happening. Hold on. How are you doing? Nice to see you. <laughs> oh, no, oh, a maybe... net. Okay. I think it's a net. Am I seriously confused? Just retarded. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Okay. Hey. Oh, you ready to go? Hey, uh, earlier this morning... <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Are you asking I... me or someone else? Well, I thought you said hold on. No, I said hello. Yeah, I thought you were liking me, waiting for the music. Uh, Wait, okay, hold on, Sarah. Do we have some music? This program doesn't oh, yeah. use music. No, here we go. Let's uh, we'll bring some. We'll use some music here. We built this Starbucks. Thank you. Good. Hello, hi. You're on the you're on the Rick Emerson show. Thanks so hi. much. What's up? Hey, uh, uh, earlier today I heard some news on your sister station's uh, morning show that comes out of L.A. That was uh, that would be the Adam Carolla show on KUFO. Uh, yeah. No and, uh, need to be I... vague here, sir. Okay. Are they employed by CBS? Uh, KUFO or Adam Carolla? Adam Carolla. Yeah, it's a, it, it, yes, it emanates from KLSX, which is a part okay, of the CBS radio family. This raises some concerns for me. Uh, t- today was the first day without Danny Bonaducci. Yes. Did you know that? Yes, I did. Danny Bonaducci um, right. was part of the Adam Carolla morning show, and uh, that went poorly, apparently. Right. And I so they have, they, they've, uh, Adam is now doing the show himself, and they've given Danny Bonaducci uh, one hour later in the two day on that radio station, two to three. Oh, really? Weekdays, two to three. Do they have the ability to make this station carry that? What do you mean, to make this station carry Danny Bonaducci? Yeah, from two to three. You see what I'm getting at? Well, no. No. We don't, I don't want to lose an hour of real programming. From two to three? I don't understand. Well, you're from 11 to three, correct? Yes. So can they make... KCMD carry the Bonaducci show. At what time? I gotta, hold on, I gotta sit down because you're making my what, brain hurt. What time hurt. did you want it? What time did you want it? Well, no, uh, Karoli said that uh, he's gonna have from two to three. So you want us to oh, take I away see. an hour and of I our show? Want that. I oh, don't I'm, want that. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. You're asking. Oh. You're asking if CBS uh, will issue an order to us to carry the Dana Bonaduce show. Yeah, if it goes national, because right now it's just that LA station. Well, I suppose I suppose if Les Moonves like called the station and said, "I command you to," right. but that's not really how it works. So sure, uh, because that's scary. No, I mean another celebrity card. You know, I mean, I, theoretically, I suppose the guy who owns the company can kind of tell you to do whatever he wants. I, I guess the guy who runs right. the joint, but uh, that's not. Yeah, that's not really the, the way Good. it works. No. Now, there's another thing, and Sarah, maybe you can look into this. Teresa Strasser reported that the father of uh, Jamie Lynn Spears' baby was not this 
Casey or whoever it is, uh, that in fact it was an executive of Nickelodeon. Yes. According to the star. Has yes. that been verified or any more on Well, it? I don't think so. I mean, I don't do, I don't think it could be verified by any way other like they would have to do DNA testing. But that right? has That's, been a, yeah, an in-print rumor. Yeah, they have, there has been rumor, it's been speculated for many weeks now that the guy who impregnated uh, Jamie Lynn Spears, and again, this is a rumor as reported by the star, is not Casey Aldridge, but is an older man who worked on her show at Nickelodeon, and that Casey Aldridge has sort of taken the fall for the guy, because obviously if it's like some 30-year-old guy knocked at Jamie Lynn Spears, that's what you call a felony. So, yeah, yeah, okay. it's just a rumor, and I, I, it's not confirmed, and I don't think it's likely to be, because that would require the Spears family to give up DNA to be tested, and they have no reason so to do so. So probably we won't know until after sh the, the baby's born. Yeah, well, and, and, but even then, you'll never, you'll never know, because the Spears family will never allow the baby's DNA to be tested. So that's, yeah. that's a thing you're never going to find out. All right. Sadly. All thank right. Thank you, you sir. Much. Love the show. Thank you. He sounded all broken at the end of the I book. thought that he was telling us that we should uh, cut Seriously. down our show to three hours That's so that we could listen to Danny about it. And like, kind of what it sounded like. It sounded like we were being, you know, Rick, I love your show, but could you put Danny Bonaducci on for the last hour? So, yeah, probably not going to happen. Uh, all right. Uh, well, we should break here because it's been like four hours since we've done that. We get back. Uh, somebody has a question about one of Tim Riley's many film works. Uh, let's see. And, hey, these guys are coming to town, by the way. Really? Dropkick Murphy's coming to town. What? What? Nothing. Nothing. What? What? Back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Oh, I've got a terrible song recording by Kelly Savalas. That I might... <laughs> That's the look. Fantastic. It's, um... Have you ever heard Jack Webb singing, uh... I don't know why they all choose this song. Jack Webb singing Try a Little Tenderness? No. And he sings it, and you know, sings. He says it just like Joe Friday. Oh, she gets weary, wearing that same old shabby dress, or however it is that Jack Webb talks. Um, it's Telly Savalas basically doing the same thing. I've also got, somebody sent me a fantastic collection of old, they're radio jingles, but they're not for a particular station. They are um, generic jingles meant to oh, be used by any number of those. like the Air Force records. If you remember L.A. Air Force, we're really talking shop now. That's why we have like a hundred share inside Portland Media. Um... For those who are maybe interested in this sort of thing, there there were these old uh, records, actually. I think they were vinyl, and it was called the L.A. Air Force set. I had them. Really? So do you still have them? No. Oh, see, me either. I can't find mine. Todd Gorger had them, but God only knows where that guy is. So L.A. Air Force was this collection of what they call radio work parts. And a work part is um, a work part is, is a, um, a little pre-recorded snippet or sound effect or shout or jingle letters we get letters yeah yeah exactly like we used to have that i don't know where that one went to uh that any radio station can use in other words like you'll you'll hear like a like a classic one is where it's like uh some people going number one and like it doesn't say the name of the radio station or the call letters but you would buy these and any radio station could then use them to announce like their number one song on that night's hot parade countdown or whatever it was 
Um, and so somebody sent me this great collection of, of radio jingles. And let me see if I have these here because it does. In fact, it, what's great is it actually ends with the number one uh, shout. Let's see here. Where radio jingles? Did I? Uh, I think I put them in here. Uh, oh, and then, but it was like around us. It was it's right next to. Uh, it's in my collection here. It's right next to the Telly Savalas thing. So if I can get this to play radio jingles, Let's, hopefully this will. Uh, hopefully this will play. Super Sunday, have a big fat ball. I'm really thinking of thinking of bringing these back for our, for our style. Those are like early '60s. Like, what would you even use that for? I don't know, but I like it. I like the last one. I'm gonna give it to Buzz though. I'm gonna give it to Buzz, and I'm gonna have him work into some of our images. You could totally do that as a legal ID. Totally, like KCMD. Wait, KCMD. Portland or something like that. Yeah, I could. I, he could totally work out. Right. <laughs> I want to know. These people are probably all dead by now. They're in nursing homes. This had to have been what late fifties, early sixties. You think? Yeah, they wouldn't remember recording them. Non-stop music. It sounds like a Beach Boys almost. Music, music. These are great. I'm going to find a reason to these. Yeah. I like that. Who's got it? We've got it. Who's got the spirit? We've got the spirit. Yay! Yeah, these are from your, that thing you do. Totally. Your early 60s, before the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm the boss, man, Bob Cormier. Or uh, that's a guy who's that. That is K.O. Bailey. Did you know K.O. Bailey was a real DJ? No. In that thing you do, where Tom Hanks goes, I don't know, he's the biggest cootie I ever saw. That guy, K.O. Bailey, is a real DJ. Uh, and he was a real DJ in Pittsburgh. And I, I've got an air check of him, actually, somewhere. It's like everybody was on Benzedrine hmm. or something. And I think this is the one that's like, number one. Yeah, it's like that Moog synthesizer uh, sound there. All right, uh, it's I had no real reason to play that. I so it was gonna fly. Just sort of sitting around, and I wanted to do it. Uh, what we'll do? Jeez, it's almost two o'clock. Uh, here's what's coming. We got Lisa coming up. Is she right at two, Sarah? Uh, two o two. Two o two. Okay, so we'll she break here in a second. Uh, you will all be interested to know this, and if you're not, your tough luck. Uh, tomorrow we will be having what's his name, Richie, the guy. Tomorrow, Howard Rodman. Uh, from the Writers Guild uh, will be on with us tomorrow. Board member of the Writers Guild, USC professor, and writer on, among other things, Saving Grace. Uh, so he will be joining us tomorrow to talk about the Writers Guild strike. Uh, because this guy, because really it's, it's fascinating, it really is. Um, and you're a member of the Writers Guild, aren't you? I am actually. Uh, I am. I am actually registered. I actually have uh, scripts. Uh, register with the Writers Guild. Excellent. Which probably affords me, I mean, which I did, but I don't really know. I think the whole point of this strike is that it probably gets me nothing at this point, but God bless him. I'm with him in spirit. Um, let's get this call, and then we'll break. Hi, hello. Hey, how's it going, man? What's, what's up? 
Hey, uh, a couple things for you. I, yeah. I heard you talking about the uh, Star, the new Star Trek and the uh, uh, Kobayashi Maru. Yes, sir. Now, I may have heard you wrong, but did you say how Kirk gets defeated in the Kobayashi Maru? No, 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 Maru? how he defeated the Kobayashi. Oh, He's the okay. only person at the Academy to have ever bested the Kobayashi Maru, which is, of oh. course, an unwinnable parent. Uh, you know, it's an unwinnable test. Uh, that's going to be excellent. Uh, would you like to know the rumor? Now, it's just a rumor, so I could spoil it for you because it's only a rumor. Uh, well, you know, whatever. Do you, uh, want, do you want to know? Sure. All right. For those who do not know, the Kobayashi Maru was a test that you took at Starfleet Academy. Uh, and it was a simulated problem where they would put you on the bow of a simulated ship and whatever. And it was, but the, 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 the gimmick was, though, the, the, what they did not tell uh, the Starfleet uh, Academy members is that it was an unwinnable simula simulation. There was no, no matter what you did, you were doomed. And so the test was not to see if you could um, succeed. In other words, you couldn't win the test. It was to see how you reacted to the fact that the test would always beat you. It was to see how you would react put in an unwinnable situation in space. And But Kirk, though, was the only person to ever beat the Kobayashi Maru because he cheated and rewired the test. He, like, reprogrammed the test, and then he received a commendation for ingenious thinking by cheating. So the rumor is, in the new Star Trek film, that in true Kirk style, he actually reprograms the Kobayashi Maru by sleeping with the girl who masterminds the program, and he uses his Kirk love, and then she reprograms the machine for him uh, because uh, she's enthralled to his uh, sexual prowess. Now, is it true that Matt Damon is going to be Kirk? I, I, did we, no, I don't think so. Okay. I think they announced who Kirk was going to be, and then I've forgotten it. Hey, uh, one other thing for you. I, yeah. I didn't hear the show yesterday, so I didn't know if you got it or if you talked about it or whatever. It wasn't yeah. a big deal. But when I, I picked up a prize on Friday, I dropped off some uh, bacon-flavored toothpicks for you. I got those uh, this morning, actually, the bacon-flavored <laughs> toothpicks. Can I just can I tell you uh, why those bacon-flavored toothpicks were both great and terrible today? Okay. Here's the thing. My wife and I, the other day, we bought like a pound of applewood bacon, uh, which is really good. Applewood bacon is among the best things ever made. As I always say, it is the candy bar of the meat world. It's fantastic. Uh, but I realized last night there were several slices yet unused. So I cooked up some applewood bacon. But the thing about bacon is, like, and, you know, and I laid it on a paper towel and put another one on top of it, sort of, you know, degrease it and whatever. Uh, but then I forgot to throw the paper towels away. So then I woke up this morning, and this is a nauseating story. I'm going to tell you right now. So I woke up this morning, I walk out to the kitchen. A, the kitchen smells of old bacon, and that's never good in the morning. You're kind of feeling weird and sick, and you don't want to get up, and ugh. and it's like that bacon grease smell in the kitchen. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's no good. And so then I microwave myself a cup of tea, as I often do in the mornings. And then, of course, because the microwave had been used to microwave bacon, and then I had immediately shut the door when I was done, the microwave is still filled with bacon scent. And so I took a big swig of my tea this morning, and I swear to God, my tea tasted like bacon. And I about hurled. And by the time I got to work, it was still like there was a film of bacon ick all over my mouth. I actually brushed my teeth three times this morning at work. I keep a toothbrush in my drawer. I brushed my teeth three different times this morning. So strong and nauseating was the smell of bacon in my mouth. And so then I've done all this right. I've finally got the taste of bacon out of my mouth. I go to the front desk, and what's sitting there? Hey, Rick, a guy dropped these off. And they say, bacon-flavored toothpicks. What do I do like a moron? <laughs> Immediately smell them, at which the point, the, like the nausea just suddenly came flowing back. So nice. thank you for that, and thank you for that. Hey, uh, also, one quick last thing about the uh, whole Jamie, Le Jamie Lynn Spears thing. Yes, sir. It seems like the next natural, well, I, I don't know. It, it's it's kind of nasty, but I'm just, I'm just waiting for the day to, like, 
Brittany's kids get older, and then Jamie Lynn ha- has the uh, the uh, little girl, and you know the uh, you know the Brittany's kids hook up with uh, Jamie Lynn's kid. I think we all do. <laughs> yes, I agree, sir. Yeah, that would be. Uh, well, that, that seems like the, natu- the next natural progression in the the white trashdom that is, you know, the Spears family. Yes, well, the fish stick doesn't drop far from the box. That is true. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Bye now. All right, excellent. There you go. That call, the, the end there, that call was like the dinosaur DNA in Jurassic Park where there were whole chunks missing, and you really need a frog to piece the whole thing together. Let's uh, take a break. Tim Riley, have you more news? Yes, a little bit later. Hooray! We'll get to news a little bit later. Uh, coming up before that, Lisa Desjardins will join us. Uh, we might or might not get to a top five. Oh, i got to read this email about the Xbox 360. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. That's things to get to here. This email says, Rick, while attending a holiday party on Saturday, I heard a statement that can only be described as Emerson show material. The party was great. Adult beverages were flowing. The conversation was very lively and full of good cheer until over the top of everyone's voice, we all heard the following phrase, quote, well, even if they were both naked, Superman would still destroy Batman because all Batman has is a stupid belt. He doesn't have any superpowers of any kind, followed by a long cricket filled pause. As the uh, the Emerson oh this is from Salt Lake uh, the Emerson show is alive and well in the suburbs of Salt Lake City live long and prosper be of good cheer signed bye now Sam thank you Sam uh, did I already tell the thing about Scott Daly's ear hair I did that yes, early on in the, the show, the show. Yeah, that was awkward uh, and you can tell that's not the sort of thing he wanted disclosed uh, publicly that his presumptive girlfriend trims his ear hair and then she's all well I got the little scissors anyway I mean come on and his ear hair is horrible. So we're all just, and we're all kind of... It's like they're already grooming each other, like... Grooming each other. Yes, they're picking nits off each other's fur. Like a little pair of monkeys. Um, and, of course, as she's going on about trimming his ear hair, we're all looking at the floor, mortified for all of us, but for him, and kind of, like, we're all silently doing the Jedi, like, quiet, quiet, quiet stop talking, just because it's, you know, she's a nice girl, but she's just so awkward for everybody. So, what can you do? Uh, let's see, before we get to Lisa Desjardins here... Couple uh, small bits of news, and then this. Uh, let's see, we're still playing a little bit of catch up uh, from the holidays here. Let's see, what have I got to get to? Oh, we've done the kiss thing. We did the Cusack thing. Um, I got this Moxie thing, but that should wait for Tim. What's a Moxie thing? Uh, you know that bottle. You know the Moxie, that horrible drink. Yes. So yes, yes. yes. Uh, so uh, Todd the corpse was like, I bought this whole six pack of Moxie. Should I drop it off? Because and I was going to tell him that I think somebody already dropped off a bunch for Tim last year. I don't think he bought it. I think somebody dropped that Moxie. Moxie, which is this horrible beverage from New England. Somebody brought that to us. I don't think Tim bought it. I think somebody brought that in. Um, anyway, uh, we got that, so I'll get to that here in a while. Uh, Rick, I'm sure I'm not the only one to tell you this, but I just got home from New Year's, and when I was flipping through the channels at 1.45 a.m., I saw the pastor, Melissa Scott, now on Comcast Channel 5, which I think is the Ion Network. So those of you looking for porn stars turned pastors apparently can find, uh, find her on the Ion Channel. Um, all right. And this email says, 
Rick, if you find a smoker or a non-smoker who happens to have cigarettes in her purse, <clears throat> look at the cigarette. You'll see that it uh, has rings ribbing the paper from top to filter. These rings are gunpowder that keep the cigarette lit even if you don't take a drag off of it. The new cigarettes have no gunpowder rings and will go out if you fall asleep smoking in bed. You must drag on it to keep it alight. Huh. hope this clears it up for you. Uh, best show ever, Steve. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate it. Uh, also, Richie wants it known that he, if we so desire, and I'm not sure that we do, in addition to booking, Richie really is just uh, fantastic. Not only has he booked the Writers Guild guy, um, he has uh, booked the Writers Guild guy for tomorrow, and he has secured, if we so wish, a trip for the four of us over the tram sometime next week. <gasps> Awesome. I'm going to have to think about that. Scotty who? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Uh, and so, while we're thinking about it... I'm going to get my coffee. Okay. Feel better? Fantastic. All right. All right. Well, in just a moment, well, see, I'm, everybody's well, running. Richie called. Every, well, let's give her. Let's give her a few. Uh, let's give her a few moments here. I'm going to read this email, uh, and then uh, we'll. I think we have some calls to get to, and if she doesn't call in a few minutes, we'll have. Uh, we'll have Richie give CNN a ring. Um. All right. This email says. Uh, where did I put it? Um. I have some email about the 360. I was going to read. Hold on. No, I'm just getting emails about Batman versus Superman. Uh, yeah, my uh, inbox is starting to fill with those, too. Um, oh, here we go. Uh, this is from Tony. And Tony says, Rick, I heard your rant about the Xbox 360 consuming hours of your life. He says, I bought myself Mass Effect for Christmas. I don't even know what that is. Bought myself Mass Effect for Christmas, and I spent nearly every free moment playing this for the last couple of weeks. Don't buy it, dude. It'll be hours and hours of best-ofs for you if you do. That's the thing, because I got, um, over the holidays, I got the Xbox 360. Well, first of all, because I got the Xbox 360, A, now everybody's telling me that Seamus sent me this whole thing about the TV that I need to buy. He's like, now now you must buy the following LCD TV. And he's compiling, like, stats and specs on the television that I apparently need to buy. Because I got, like, just the regular, like, just the regular, like, 28-inch, you know, like, cathode ray, you know, like the big square boxy American television. But so now the big uh, the, the big siren call from everybody is that I got to get uh, like a new television. So I got that, and then as soon as I beat Halo Three, I got to figure out I got to figure out like the follow up game to play. So I have that to worry about. But my whole thing about we played um, that sneakers clip at the beginning of the show, and that reminds me of this. So I had the uh, the regular 360 for the long uh, the Xbox or the the regular Xbox. I had the Xbox for a couple years, and I was on Xbox Live all the time playing Halo Two. And when you sign on to Xbox Live, like, think about this. How many hours of your life do you suppose that you have lost trying to think of a unique or interesting login name, email name, a password, or whatever, because you want it to be something that's sort of interesting, kind of clever, easy to remember, but that says something about you as a person. So when, you know, if you sign up, like if you join some message board or something and you got to pick, like, a login name, you know, you just don't want to be like, you know, 
Sarah nine 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 four four two. You know, because that's the and if your like login name is chosen, if the one you try to get is already in use, like it'll spit up a list of suggested alternate names, mm-hmm. and it's always just like the name you wanted with like a bunch of like seven numbers behind it, and so you spend all this time trying to come up with an email name that you feel accurately represents your personality. When you sign up for Xbox Live, it's the same thing, where you pick this thing that's called a gamer tag, and the gamer tag is like your online nickname. It's your online handle. And I had one with the Xbox, and for reasons that are long and convoluted that I will not bore everyone with, uh, I cannot use my old gamer tag with the 360. It's, I can't migrate my account over. It's a whole, like, long story. Your gamer tag? Well, that's, it's like your nickname. It's, uh, you know, it's what people, you know, because, it, like, you don't want to use your real name. Like, you want to say, I'm Sarah Dillon, because then, you know, this is bad, you know, for a lot of reasons. Um, so, anyway, so, so I can't use my old gamer tag uh, with the 360 for Xbox Live, so I had to come up with a new one. And so I probably spent, Christ, I probably spent 45, Lara came home, she, she, she was home, she went, left to go to the store, she came back home. I was still sitting on the sofa with the controller on my hand and the little virtual Xbox keyboard up on the screen trying out names, trying to find a gamer tag that was both available and that I liked. Um, here's some ones that were not available. Ned Ryerson. Uh, both Glenn Ross and Glenn Gary were taken. Uh, Phil Connors was taken. Um, speaking of sneakers, we played that sneakers clip at the very beginning of the show. I tried C-Tech Astronomy. C-Tech Astronomy was taken. And then you realize that Xbox Live has been around for about six years now. And I mean, I mean, at any given moment, there's like three million guys playing that. So there are three million different gamer types. There's nothing left. And so I finally, and I will not be giving it out on the air, but I finally, at long last, uh, settled on this gamer tag that was available and that I thought was, you know, kind of interesting. Um, but it's just, it's unbelievable the number. And I, you'll log on to Xbox Live, and they have this great with the 360. They have this great map of the world they show, and when you log in to play like Halo 3 or whatever, it shows this this globe, and then it shows a representation like of how many people are online at that moment in different parts of the world, and then it tells you the total number of players. Like just for Halo 3, you will log on at points where there are currently 263,000 players online. I mean, it's just mind blowing. It is it really is just staggering. Um, so anyway, so I got to play my way through Halo 3. Uh, and then I gotta like figure out what to follow it up. I'm not much of a sports guy. Oh, and j- as a side note, if you do have the 360, beware. And by beware, I mean it's fantastic of the of the arcade live function, which lets you download and play arcade games, both classic and somewhat contemporary. And these aren't like rejiggerings of a classic arcade game or the Nintendo version. This is like the original source code from arcade games. So you can down, you pick a, you pick your favorite arcade game. It's probably there. First thing I did is I paid six dollars and ninety nine cents to buy Smash TV, which is in my estimation the greatest arcade game in the history of gaming. I remember you talking about that. Man, and I sat and I played that until my eyeballs fell out, because you realize that as an adult, the great and terrible thing about being a grown up is you have the money to just indulge your every retarded juvenile whim. And so as a kid, you know, as a teenager, when I would play uh, Smash TV, I was limited by the amount of quarters in my pocket or however much, you know, money I'd earned at my job that week. With this, man, you know, whatever. Godfather game, fifty nine ninety five sold. You know, Star Wars, the Lego game, the entire series, sold. Doesn't matter. I can immediately goes on my credit card. And that is why the gaming systems have aged and they are now targeted at adults, not kids. 
because they now realize that I am the demographic that is A, I am at that intersection of interest and commerce, uh, that I am both interested in video games and I have a job and a gold card. So that's why everything is targeted at me now, which is wonderful, but really will just drain your wallet completely dry. Uh, hi, Scott, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. Um, if you want to play the best 360 Live game that there is out there, um, play Rainbow Six, and uh, they're going to be coming up with Rainbow Six 2, which will be in May. Now, is, that the, is it, that the Tom Clancy thing? Yeah, it is It is the best game. Uh, the way that it is, is set up for online play, and if you ask anybody that's played Halo 3 or, or Call of Duty 4, uh, everybody goes back to Rainbow because it's, it actually uses skill, and you're not jumping around everywhere, and, and it's uh, it's a really really good game, and they're going to be coming out with another one, and it will be um, equally as good, if not more. I have to tell you this actually, I played uh, you know Halo 2 and you know the original Halo, and then while waiting for Halo 3 to come out, I bought and played this first person shooter called Black. Uh, which is really good. It's uh, yeah, that's a fun game. It's a little repetitive, but the gunplay is unbelievable uh, because they sample real sound effects from like a real AK-47. So they digitize the look and feel of real assault weapons, and it's just it's an, it's an amazing game. That's and then how, having that's how set up. That's how Rainbow Six is set up. All the guns that you use are all. Um, they all sound exactly like the guns. Um, they've they've tested them. They've uh, they put them into the sound and it's, yeah. Yeah, you 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 you'll you'll not be unsatisfied if you try that game. The out. Uh, the weird thing about it now is having played that game, um, now playing Halo Three, it just feels a little cartoony. That's the problem. Is that Black is so realistic and so badass that Halo Three now feels a little bit. I don't know. It kind of feels like a little kids game in a way because it's so sort of because it, it's kind of funny and it's like kind of lighthearted and the you know and it's not that violent and it just sort of feels like I've taken a step back with Halo Three in, in, in many ways. And with Rainbow Six, it's usually a uh, you know you're not there's not going to be a lot, bunch of little kids playing on there because it's it's a pretty violent game you know. Excellent. I like violence. So, thank you very much, Rick. Thank Best you, show ever. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go. Um, so I, the online version of Halo 3, the Halo 3 online multiplayer is is really, really good. Uh, but just the, the, the solo campaign is, is not that impressive. Uh, I will say this, and we'll talk to Lisa Desjardins, and then some people, of course, are on hold about the 360. So we'll get to those calls. If you're on hold about the 360, hang tight for a second. But um, there was an awkward and great moment the other day. Uh, great because it wasn't me, and awkward because it was my wife. So she was playing um, the Lego Star Wars uh, game. Uh, which is itself pretty exceptional. And apparently they're coming out with a, a Lego Indiana Jones game, which is like the greatest thing ever. Uh, so she's playing the Lego Star Wars game, and she decides to go and play the Xbox Live version, which is where you have someone online join you in the campaign. So she's like Qui-Gon, and she's playing with some kid who's like Obi-Wan, and they're going through and, you know, whatever, <laughs> doing the thing. And the kid is really good. I mean, she's, you know, she's okay, but the kid is really good. And so she asks quite innocently, my wife, who is 30 years old, Asked quite innocently, she said, so how old are you? And there's this, like, awkward pause, and the kid goes, I'm not supposed to give that information out. i got to go. Bye. She said that she never, she said she instantly felt really weird. Because even though she'd asked it innocently, she realized that she was an adult online asking a child how old they were. And then suddenly, like, the whole horrible theoretical conversation between that kid and the, and the parent, you know, played... I like video games, too. I've got a lot of them at my house. Would you like to come uh, see them? And she said she suddenly felt, like, really creepy. 
Uh, we will I, get... know, I think the whole, like, con- I mean, I know that I'm probably in the minority here, but the whole concept of, like, sitting at home playing video games, talking to other people who are playing the same game, that just is not appealing to me. I don't really do the thing with the talking online that much. It, it, really, there's no... I mean, I think the only reason to do that is if you are part of a team. Just, there's so many other things in the world to do. Like, why would you just want to sit and waste hours and hours playing a video game? Same reason I waste hours and hours watching television, Sarah. It's exactly the same reason, actually. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. What am I going to do? Can you go and make friends? I don't think so. Maybe if I had, maybe if I had your dance fever, Sarah, I would. It's uh, true, Rick Emerson. Uh, Lisa Desjardins joining us. Hello and happy New Year to you, Lisa. Hey, happy New Year, guys. How are you? How are things in the Desjardins household for this uh, uh, holiday they, season? They are well and stable. Excellent, fantastic. Did you have a uh, happy and satisfying New Year's? It was. It was very low key because I had to get on a plane early the next morning. So we, you know, we we went to. I, we were so lame. We went to bed early and uh, like woke up at midnight. That's okay. I think Tim Riley actually went to bed at nine oh five. I think he watched it. I think he watched the CNN Anderson Cooper ball drop and then he was like that's it i'm going to bed that's, that's fantastic makes yeah. me feel better so yeah don't feel bad about that at all um so where are you at now are you in you're you're in uh des moines as of now aren't you i am i am in the fine city of des moines iowa a place to grow as they like to say really is that what they call it yeah they they had a sign at the airport for many years that said that but i all think right, they've then. taken it down now um well it seems like there's some bad political pun that i could make but i'm i'm not really motivated <laughs> enough to do it uh, first of all, was it was it you that I talked to about this? I'm sorry. The last few weeks are just blending together in my head because of, I've been on the show and then on and then gone and then back and then gone. Uh, I think it might have been you I was asking about this Fred Thompson thing where he was like, I'm not really interested in running for president. I'm basically just doing it because someone told me to. We we were not the ones who talked about that. I don't remember right. that. Yeah, Thompson was in, I think it was in the New York Times. He was quoted as saying right. he wasn't tremendously interested in running for president or being president. He was running because some other folks thought it was a good idea. Right. And it seems like that is an immediate ratcheting down of expectations because he knows he's not going to win and wants to save face. You know, I think yeah, not not particularly interested in running for president. I think was 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 the quote. I guess what he was trying to say is, I'm not egocentric. I'm not trying to be a world leader. It was other people who, you know, I'm doing it for the sake of my country. I, uh-huh. I guess that's what he was kind of trying to spin it as. Yeah. But it really, he's the wrong guy to to try that. And I think uh, in two days. You'll probably see Fred Thompson drop out of the race, but you, you know, it depends on what happens tomorrow night. Hold on now. In your this is again, in your objective journalistic opinion, are you are you calling that? I'm not calling it. So I'm not saying that I know the vote has gone either way, but I am. I'm predicting. I'm but I'm, predicting that's that. what I'm saying. You're making the prediction. You're going on record. This is your this is your placing your wager. This is my prediction. Now I don't know if he'll make that decision public in two days, but I he he may. I think I think. The, the campaign will fold up. All right. So this is this is after the woman at the casino has said insurance, and, 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 and this is after that, and right as she's saying no more bets, and waves her hands over the table. That's all right. Exactly when it is. Fantastic. Uh, all right. So and then I was making this observation earlier, and I do believe this is true. And again, this is uh, just my editorial observation that I think. They say this whole thing about how, you know, the television lies and the camera is deceptive. And as I've always said, that's I don't believe that's the case. I think that when you see someone on TV for an extended period of time, I think you really do get a gut sense of them as a person. I think the camera does tell way more truth than people believe. And I think that we as a country over the last couple of days have sort of realized that Mitt Romney seems like kind of a jerk. He just uh, he seems sort of mean. He does seem like a sort of brusque, very blunt 
somewhat unlikable person, and I feel like that's kind of being shown in the the, the, the way that the, the press has started to talk about him, and I do feel like there's a general sense that he's just a little too hard-edged mm. to really make a big play, and, and maybe I'm wrong about that. It is, is it still like a, a, a crapshoot, you know, with that stuff? I think that Mitt Romney, still he still has a chance of winning in Iowa. It's going to be very close between him and Mike Huckabee. And what Mitt Romney's got, we've talked about this before, is a machine. Mike Huckabee doesn't have that. Mitt Romney has databases, campaign lists, uh, computer files of all of the folks that he wants to get out. Mitt Romney, last night, or I'm sorry, Mike Huckabee, I went to one of his events last night. Uh, they, you know, they were still having people uh, fill out paper with pencil. You right. know, so, and, and a lot of campaigns are still doing that, but it's just to say that Rom, Romney really has a technological advantage here that could, that could certainly help him get his people to the polls tomorrow night. You know, as for style, I think you're, I think that is what people are paying attention to here in Iowa. There's so many issues, and they know about experience. They know uh, Mitt Romney changed his position. They know Mike Huckabee uh, raised some taxes in Arkansas. Uh, but I, I think it is coming down to, for the undecided voters, what they feel about these guys. Now, I, I almost worry, though, that we're worried that we spend too much time talking about who we like and who we don't like. And, you know, take like a, a Lyndon Johnson. Was he really all that super likable? I guess he, he was well, a straight shooter. That's a thing that the press has suddenly, uh, not suddenly, but the press decided at one point, and I'm, I'm boiling it all down to one thing, but the press at one point decided that we needed to care about, and this is the phrase, this was the question that they are all using about Bush versus, versus Kerry years ago, mm-hmm. when they kept saying, well, I mean, really, it comes down to who would you rather have a beer with? Well, really, honestly, who gives a flying rip who I'd rather have a beer with? Honestly, right. I mean... What I'd really like is a guy who's not going to screw me in the wallet and capriciously get us into a, a damn fool war. That's what I'd care about. Right, exactly. And But yet we sort of have – we, and it's almost in a way it's, it's part, I think, of the, the dumbing down. Now, you would make a different argument maybe, but the dumbing down of, of viewers that the American media sort of assumes that – People just care about who they like and don't. But in a way, it's a chicken and egg problem because you know the media sort of start goes. Who who started that? Is is it really that uh, voters kind of tried to warm up to people they like, or was it that the media said, "Hey, who do you guys like? Who do you want coffee with?" Uh, And and I think the problem just compounds. Speaking of perception, and by the way, just real quickly, uh, what Mike Huckabee does have, I believe. In uh, addition to pens and paper, I think he actually has Ed Rollins, too, who has run some of the great right. political campaigns in American history. Uh, Ed Rollins, who is, uh, he's a street fighter. I mean, he's nobody's idea of, of, uh, of you know, uh, of soft when it comes to this sort of thing. Right, and there's a question, I mean, that, that almost seems like it might be, uh, you know, peanut butter and uh, trout together because it's... Wow. You know, he, he, I mean, Ed Rollins, I think, pushed him to to try and put together that negative ad against Romney. It was a counterattack ad uh, saying that Romney was, uh, you know, making false accusations about, about Huckabee. But, you know, Huckabee going on the negative was such a, a, a drastic change for that campaign. Huckabee changed his mind and decided not to do it. But who knows how, how that relationship is going to work. It's going to be interesting to see. Ed Rollins uh, wrote a great book called Bare Knuckles and Back Rooms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he was an acolyte of the late Lee Atwater. Uh, and Lee Atwater, who had this, Lee Atwater's theory boiled down to its basic essence was that your own positives don't matter. If you drive your opponent's negatives high enough, he he simply can't win. 
Uh, and that's, I think, where a lot of this, you know, so we all, we, every year you kind of sort of see the, the, the children of that philosophy sort of uh, ascended up. It, speaking of managing expectations, is it me or has Hillary really dialed down everything, uh, nationally speaking, or, you know, in the media, appearances, expectations, uh, or it, it, any sort of invective? It seems like she's really started to just, she's stepped it down a lot. I think there's a point where you feel like you're on the right trajectory and you, you want to keep coasting that way. And I think that the Clinton camp is, is happy with the voters that they think they're going to get out. They think they've got uh, more reliable voters here in Iowa than the Obama camp. And I think they don't want to mess it up. We saw today uh, John Edwards really uh, tearing up the state. He's had 12, 12 events, it will be total, uh, just for today. You know, and he's, he's doing one of these, I'm staying up for 36 hours campaigning. You saw Obama, I'm counting five events for him. And then you go up to Hillary Clinton, and uh, she's got five events as well. So I guess she, she does have a presence today. But you're right. I don't think we're, we're not hearing as much from her as, or it doesn't seem like we have in the, as we have in the past couple of days. Did you see that Hillary Clinton's camp is offering free babysitting to people? Right. How about that? And also, they'll shovel your walkway for you. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what makes me love this country. I really. <laughs> oh God! And I know you haven't because you've been so busy. But I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you seen Charlie Wilson's War? I have not. You gotta see it, and okay. I know you're busy, and okay. I know your life is crazy, and I know that you made a promise to watch Ed Wood. <clears throat> um, I know I'm backed up, but you know I might be able to bring Ed Wood with me on the trail, watch it on the plane, so then I can do Charlie Wilson's War. When you get a chance, on site, you have got to see Charlie Wilson's War. A, it's just brilliantly, brilliantly written. It is a fantastic mediation or meditation or whatever that word is uh, on American politics. Uh, and it has, uh, I mean, it, and it, you know, and it, it has that kind of Cold War feel because that's when it takes place. It's it's, it's a staggering film, um, really amazingly well done, and uh, kind of being criminally underseen at the moment. So, at your first opportunity, you really ought to see Aaron Sorkin's Charlie Wilson's War. Consider it done. Excellent. All right, uh, I'll let you get back because I know you got a crazy day. You're on, uh, of course. You you like John Edwards will now just be up for 36 it's hours. It's true. There there will be a point where I probably will be up for 36 hours, but uh, not quite yet. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Happy New Year to you. We'll talk to you soon. Happy New Year. All right, there you go. That's Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So these two quick calls, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hey, Rick. How you doing? What's up? Uh, uh you were talking about uh, uh, Xbox Live names. Yes. I got a unique one for you that I used my first uh, Xbox Live name. Now, is this your current gamer tag or is this an old this one? The previous. I was this is say, the previous you one. Give out your, your name on the air here, and I can't be responsible for what happens to you. <laughs> no, this is a previous one. All right. Richie has the one that I use now. Okay. Uh, I used Yes, I'm Antisocial. That is kind of funny. That is a good one. That is funny. All right, excellent. And Scott brought up Rainbow Six. I think I'm going to have to go rent that because everybody's talking about it. Yeah, the uh, I didn't play. I think that I played Splinter Cell like a like a demo version of Splinter Cell, and it was you know it was okay. Uh, I wasn't crazy about it. So uh, yeah, I, I played the demo version of your Lego Star Wars, and I don't like it. Uh, it's well, you know, it just depends. There are different kinds of games. Like for example, um. My wife, God bless her, that's why she's the best wife ever. In addition to buying lots of bacon over the holidays, she rented the Godfather game for the 360. And the Godfather game is amazingly well done. Fantastic graphics, brilliant voice work. If you didn't know better, you would think it was Marlon Brando doing the voice of Vito Corleone. Uh, it's just, it's not the kind of game I like. It's, it's basically a Grand Theft Auto game, but with the, you know, but with the Corleone family. And I'm, I'm just not that into the Grand Theft Auto style of game. So. No, no. 
I've is, got black for PS2. I mean, I've got every game station that's been made all back, all the way back to PS1. Yeah, no, that black is really a. Uh, it might be the best first-person shooter that I played in. I don't know, five, six years. It is a good one. Yeah, yeah. it is a real good one. So. All right. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. There you go. All right, Tim Riley, you're working on news for us. Yes, something that you'll be particularly excited about. I'm all a quiver with anticipation. All right, let's take a break. Back after this, uh, Tim Riley and uh, I don't know, and the same old crap for me. Uh, back after this, the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Radio program. Phrase uttered during the last break by Sarah Dillon. I'm going to go out to my car and get a bag of stale popcorn. Wonderful. At the Ministry of Truth, Tim Riley. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. D.B. Cooper's hijacked money will be auctioned off. Ugh. An eight-year-old boy who found it along the Columbia River back in 1980, well, he's now 36. And he's auctioning it off. Uh, back in the day, the court forced him to split the file with the airline's insurance company, which put up the ransom. Now he wants to sell his two envelopes and scraps as small as pennies, along with 13 half bills, and nearly 20 full $20 bills he owns. Does it say, is there, now is there like a buy it now or something, or do I have to actually go and bid? I hate auctions. It's dbcoopermoney.com. Go in there right now. dbcoopermoney.com. All right. Going there as we speak. Own one of the do. Oh, why not bring in the new year with DB Cooper money? Okay, but uh, do I speak for everybody here? Look, we all use eBay, eBay, right? Yeah. Do I speak for everyone here when I say that I hate auctions? Just tell me how much to pay. Oh, yeah. You know what I? You know why I hate auctions? Because auctions are like a reverse haggling, and I hate haggling. Uh, just give me the price. So, like, if the guy just said. Look, here's the thing. You give me a thousand bucks, and I'll give you a couple DB Cooper bills. Mm-hmm. I might say yes, I might say no, but at least I know the price. As much as I would love to own some DB Cooper money, I will almost certainly not take part in this because auctions. I hate to sound like that guy, but who has time? I mean, really, honestly, that's why I don't. Lots of people have time at work. I guess, but I mean, they're not as active as we are. That's why on exactly. That's why on eBay. Like, I will do the buy. I've bought some on eBay with the buy it now feature. Mm-hmm. But if it says, like, you know, days left in this auction, one minute and, you know, one day, three minutes, I'm out of there. I, just, I don't, I have no time. I bought an emergency ladder from them. Did I you, hope it worked. Then did you buy it now or did you bid? I think I bid. Yeah, and see, and I, I just don't, because then but you have I to go back it. and check it every ten minutes to see if some other dick outbid you. Mm-hmm. And I just don't. Uh, no, no, you underbid till the last minute. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I guess you could just bid and then, like, set your watch or something and then go back with 10 seconds left and bid a dollar more or whatever. But everyone else is doing but that everyone the same is time. But do- everyone else is doing the same thing. I, I mean, eBay auction obviously is successful. It's just not for me. I, uh, no. Well, I won't bring it up again. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. Uh, let's see. Well, it doesn't even say. Oh, here we go. Auction information. All right. Well, I'll look at it. All right, here's Tim Riley. Here's something you'll like, a religious uh, nutcase watch. Here's your religious nutcase watch for the first one of the year, by the way, for 2008. Fantabulous.
Benedict. Has and Nail plans to set up specialist exorcism squads to combat Satanism. Well, that's good. The Vatican powers are concerned about what they see as an increasing interest in the occult. They have introduced classes for priests to combat what they call the extreme form of godlessness. Each bishop is to be told to have his diocese have a number of priests trained to fight domestic possession of the exorcist. Uh, thanks be to God, we have a pope who has decided to fight, fight the devil head on. I can't believe this whole story. I know. They have plenty of other devils in there right now to fight anyway. 2007. Too many bishops are not taking this seriously, and we're not delegating the priests in the fight against the devil. And it was accompanied by the creepiest photograph of the Pope that has ever been taken. And so he still calls himself the devil? That and that's saying something. Of the photograph? I don't know if I have... Pick I, anyone. I, I had it over here. Uh, I don't know if I... I'll, I'll find it, Sarah, because it's the creepiest picture of the Pope. And, I mean, the Pope is evil. Well, he's kind of freaky looking anyway. All the mm. photographs of him are creepy looking. This one that, like, outstrips all the rest. I'm going uh, I'm gonna look it up. So, But, I mean, yeah, in two... I mean... I'm not trying to insult anyone's faith, but Jesus God, 2008. I'm not convinced that the devil still calls himself the devil. What does it say on his business card? The T, T devil. Oh. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to find this picture of the uh, Pope Exorcist. Um, uh, well, there you go. Oh, by the way, uh, just so you're aware, Tim, yeah. uh, I have your uh, Ed Wood documentary that I'll be returning to tomorrow. But then uh, the Haunted World of Ed Wood. Oh, did I lend you that? No. Yes. Oh. I don't remember all the things I lend you. Uh, you've only lent me two things, one of which okay. will be returned tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Also, as soon as I'm done with the zombie survival guide, which is great and disturbing, uh, I will be reading the uh, the God is Not Great book. Oh, no, that's for you to keep. All right, really? Yeah. Well, thank you. Oh, uh, not, you don't have to do that. No, I insist. I insist. Well, then I will give it to someone else when I'm done. All right. Maybe. Who might that be? I don't know. Probably no one here. Some, no. <laughs> that's Sarah. <just> mean. <laughs> I will give it to Sarah next. Um Okay, excellent. Well, thank you very much. So I will be yeah. returning the, uh, just so you know, I'll be returning that DVD. Tomorrow. Oh, yes, you do. You have a, a Carson video, too. I do. I'm sorry. Carson. I'm sorry. Yes, I okay. apologize. I, I, I do. I think I get it back anytime soon. I was not counting on it. I'm sorry. I apologize. No, I, I lend out things with the belief that I don't need them. I'm sorry. In the foreseeable future. You know why? And one of those, it, one of those must be sitting underneath the other one, which is why I didn't notice it last night. So I apologize for that. No, too, take right? your time. Well, I don't want to be that guy. No, the, the show's been going on for years. I'm in no hurry. Oh, I still have your <laughs> development season, too. Yeah, I was going to say, you, <laughs> you know where to find me, I suppose. It's not like I can hide. Yeah, correct. So, I mean, uh, this is one of the only places that you would be. You know, like, that really is in, true. At home. Either here or in front of my Xbox. Mm-hmm. That's kind of it at this point. And like once a month, maybe at my father's place. Yeah. Uh, all right. There's your religious nutcase watch for uh, the first one of the year. Fantastic. Uh, hello, sir, madam, as the case may be. How can I help you today? Hi there. I just wanted to chime in on the eBay thing. Yes. Okay, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, so there's nights when I um, bid on things that I don't need, and it started to cost me a lot of money. And so, but the, the, if you want to get stuff on eBay, there's this thing called Power Snipe, where you, it's a software program that you put in how much you want to pay, and it bids for you one second before the bid closes. Hey, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And then I win all the time because all these suckers go on and they bid like two days into it. But then I just come in and I just sweep it up at the very end. So it's called uh, it's called power sniping. It's very cool. And I am all good. over that. Well, because I was. Uh, what is the? If I can ask this, I don't wish to. Whatever. But I mean, does anybody here want to talk about the last thing they bid on on eBay or the last thing they looked for? 
I understand if you don't wish to reveal such information Facebook style. Sure. No, I never go Damn. on eBay. It was a third-story fire ladder. This is, I'm assuming, for your you home? You live in a house with three stories? Yes. Tim lives in the nicest house oh, I've ever course. seen. My uh, bedroom is on the third floor. So he can never a fire. I wanted to escape. And look down escape. on the look down upon the little people. Right. So it's underneath my bed. <laughs> is it like a rope ladder that you throw out the window? No, it's kind of metal. Well, then how would you? I don't know. I haven't had to use it yet. Okay, but I'm saying so you keep it in your bedroom. Then it's folded up in a box, and you throw it out the window. And now, but is it is it a is it a rope ladder or is it metal? Metal. But is it's it a folding metal ladder? Now, don't you think you should practice with that now? Because probably when the fire no, happens, it's the wrong time to... I'm afraid of heights, and if I have to go, I will. I... But I'm not going to practice. I'm just saying, I think maybe that when the fire happens, is that's the wrong time to be practicing. But I'm not going to do it now. Well, I, maybe you should hire someone oh, to, to demonstrate it? it for you. Okay, well, that might be a good idea. You know what I mean? Just so you can sort of have a, you know, like a sense for how it works. Oh, by the way, the, the people on the box look pretty happy with it. <laughs> the, um, they, they're not on fire anyway. Um, the, uh, by the way, Tim, speaking of heights, Richie has secured for us a trip for the four of us in the tram. No, that sounds bad. Oh, boy. That now, how do we feel about that? I, 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 I say we either it. all of us do it or none of us do We've it. We've got to do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Richie, uh, well, let's, before we go. Oh, my God, he does look evil. All right, Richie, before we go. Uh, or I'm sorry, Tim. Before you take a let's let's quickly ask him. Did, I, did you get the picture of the Pope? Yes. And then let's get Richie in here. Bye, Odeon. And then this guy has a question for Tim. Hi, uh, Maurice. You have a, a question for Tim Riley. Uh, yes. I know you guys used to have a sponsor that was a vegetarian restaurant, but they're no longer open. And I was wondering if Tim can give me a suggestion of a vegetarian restaurant that I can go buy and get the ticket for. Uh, so the, yeah, so the, the place that we advertise for, they've gone out of business, uh, sadly. Uh, so he, so Tim, I recommend if you feel comfortable, a recommendation for a vegetarian restaurant for perhaps he could buy a gift certificate or you know whatever. You know, I haven't been to one since that place closed. Yeah, sadly. What about downtown? There's like Veganop, is it Veganopolis. Oh yeah, that's, that's called asking the wrong guy. Yeah, yeah, we've been nothing. there before. I, I would say that would be a good. One. Uh, Veganopolis in downtown Portland, sir. All right, thank you very much. Thank sure. you. We all ate there. We went to play one day. I remember that, and we met up with. Then we met up with Bruce too. I don't remember that. You rode your bike downtown, mm -hmm. and we all met together. I when ate, I was working on coin, and you guys. I ate at a place called Veganopolis. Yeah, you did. And yeah. Laura ate there too. Did you lie and tell me it was called something else? No, Laura showed up too. I don't remember this at all. Yeah. What, what did I eat? Meat. You ate a bigger plate than all of us. Yeah, you ate a lot. Well, it's, you were kind of fat. Well, this body doesn't maintain itself without work. Uh, well, all right. All right. Uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the world. Excellent. Uh, Tim Riley, fighting the commies since 1998. Back at uh, 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, all the way through like us. So, Richie, the tram ride. When, where, huh? When do we want to go? Well, after saying Tim should have, Tim left, of course. Um, uh, I don't know. When, when can we go? Anytime? 4, 4 p.m., I thought maybe would be a good time. But how can they close down the entire tram for us? Well, they, we do, they would just be one trip. Yeah. It'll be one trip across. Instead, if it's busy, they might have other people on it, but they'll give us like the full tour of all the mechanics. And... Hmm. Well, I'm. I don't know. I like well, that idea. How are we going to do it? Can we have somebody drop us off at the bottom and then drive up to the top? That's a good point. How would we get there and back? How does that even work? Well, they have. A, don't they have like a a train that goes there? You're asking I think the that's wrong the point guy. Of the tram so that they don't have to do that. Or you could take a train. Well, but there's a here. station. No, because you park your car there. The deal is, you park your car and then you ride the tram to the top of the hill. And then you can take the tr the then you take train the tram back, back down. 
I don't have the train. No, we could take the train from here. There's that piece. What train? train. Oh, the yeah, Max? The train is. It's right there. The streetcar. It's right there, actually. Oh, the train that comes down, yeah, down the street. Okay. So we take that train down to the ma- uh, down to the tram at the bottom, ride it up, and then down again. And then take the train back here. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I want to do it twice. Uh, well, you you can't. Well, you have to. I know. That's true. Okay. The only way not to do that is if you park your car at the top of the hill and then was, walk down. That's what down. I was confused. So I'm like, is someone just going to drop us off there? You got to ride up and down. Up at the top? No. Okay. You got to ride up, got to ride down. Do you want to say that next week sometime? Uh, yeah. Why don't you pick a day uh, and uh, we'll just make it work? What do you think? Thursday? Let's say Thursday because then we talk about Friday. Okay. <laughs> we have yeah. all week to dread it. Let's yeah, let's, we should look at the weather forecast before. Let's do it when it's full of mist and uh, spiders. Okay. We'll right. video it. Excellent. Thank you. All right, it's Ricky <laughs> Bristol, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Rick, depending on the desired effect you'd like to have on your online gaming opponents, you could use a name like A Pretty Unicorn or perhaps Mr. Cuddlekins to make for infuriating and hilarious kill alerts in the game. Nothing angers an over-30 parent basement crowd worse than having to admit to their guild they were fragged by someone bearing the title of Mr. Cuddlekins. <laughs> However, I believe the best names you can use in games sound like they are parody rap star names, such as... Killer be killed or Professor Murder. Fantastic. Well, I did find I can't give mine out on the air for obvious reasons. Well, with my immense popularity at all. I well no, because then uh, you know how it is here's the thing, sir, because No, I you don't have to explain it to me. Then it becomes like a MySpace thing where people are like, Hey dude, let's let's rock yeah, out on the put, Xbox. I didn't even know that you put my MySpace profile on your website. What do you mean? Kinda like that thing where like I went from, you know, having to a hundred friends to you know, after you put my yeah, and and but with an Xbox, it's I don't, I mean you can I guess set it so you're invisible, but I mean then it's like people are like hey do you want to do you want to go let's let's go rock Halo tonight, and then if, if you just feel like not doing that or you just want to kind of be online incognito, and this is not just for me because I'm known in well, some it's small it's for way anybody. for anybody if you would just prefer to sort of go on and just kind of blend in, so um, I don't know I probably won't give mine out we'll see, uh, oh do, should we break here? We can. We can, but should we? I don't know. Should I? What were you doing just there? Oh, that was Rushmore. <laughs> All right. Well, let's break. Yeah, let's Back break. after this to wrap it up. Like us at three. Uh, Don and Mike at seven and uh, so forth. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. Don't go anywhere. Part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Don't forget tomorrow, uh, our guest will include some guy whose name I've forgotten because Richie took it off the screen, and I'm a moron. What guy? From where? The guy from the writers' oh, Howard, Howard Rodman. Thank you, Howard Rodman. Tomorrow, member of the Writers Guild, and apparently the screenwriter of two films that'll be at Sundance this year. So he is a player, as they say. Uh, so he'll be on tomorrow to talk about the writer strike. Rick, there's a fabulous vegan restaurant in the Pearl called Blossoming Lotus. I took my vegan brother there when he was at this. Sounds like a sexual position. Uh, Rick, the fluff setting in your dryer takes the wrinkles out. Rick, um, if you have a shirt that's wrinkled but not out of control wrinkled, you can mist it with water from a spray bottle and smooth it out by tugging on the shirt. That sounds fake. That's not going to work. You can't spray it with water and tug on it. And then yeah. Really? Uh-huh. And do you wrinkle it? 
No, I, I, I've done everything in my life to avoid ironing. I've never ironed. All right, well, I'm going to have to do that tomorrow. Okay, if I come in all wrinkly tomorrow, it's y'all's fault because I'm going to try that. Uh, I'm just telling you, you should just invest in some seersucker shirts. <laughs> and that way they're always wrinkly. Seersucker just makes me... Because when you say seersucker, I know you've explained to me what it is. It's like shark skin, right? It's like... No, no, no. It's like this the puckery cotton, like light cotton material. See, because here's the thing. And we've had this conversation, but when you say seersucker, in my head, I see zoot suit. No, I just feel like Spike Lee and Malcolm X when he's wearing like the big suit with the pocket watch and the fob, and he's like got the big hat with the feather. A lot of like like '90s J Crew, like you know, a lot of light, yeah. like light beach, like linen-y yeah. stuff. And that kind of looks wrinkly, but that's the deal, right? It's supposed to look that way. Yes. That could be my look. That's what I'm saying. You should start rocking the seersucker. Should I get a Should I get a specific color pattern too? Should I get a look? You want to get a look? I don't know. I'm saying, should I get a trademark look? Wouldn't your trademark look be seersucker? But I mean in color, like color-wise, too. I don't know. I haven't seen a lot of seersucker. Um, What's his name? Along. Al Newerth, the guy. This is not what I would do, but Al Newerth, the guy who founded USA Today, his trademark is black and orange. Obviously not what I would wear, but that's his whole thing. That was like his way to get noticed. Everything he wears is black and orange. Uh, so maybe I should do like a, everything should be black and something. Black that and seems white. like a pretty big commitment. I'm just, well, no, but then it's easy, and everything matches everything. Well, everything that you own is basically black in some way. Yeah. So, but uh, see, then I just need to change the fabric, and I'm all set. I know. Well, so, so we're we're gonna go shopping for some seersucker shirts. Okay. Where do they sell that? Everywhere. No, you know, I haven't even seen one in years. So, do they? Is it a bi? Is it a, is it a retro fabric seersucker? I don't know. We'll have to continue. I'm not. I'm not sure. You'll have to ask some people. All right. Uh, how long do we have here? Thirty seconds. Um, all right. Well, um, it seems like I should. Uh, seems like I should have uh, something to play here to uh, something here to pass the uh, to pass the time with the. Super Sunday, have a big fat ball. All right, there we go. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio correspondents uh, James Roop and Lisa Desjardins. Uh, join us tomorrow when our guests will include uh, Howard Rodman uh, from the Writers Guild of America. Rick Emerson Show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970 Solid State Radio. Proud part of the CBS Radio family. In the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Richie Bristol, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. CBS Radio Portland marketing guru is Susan Reynolds. And, of course, uh, podcasting and imagery is Bridget from upstairs. As always, thank you for listening. Don't let the bastards grind it down. Watch out for snakes. Like us next. Donna Mike at 7. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 a.m., my friends. Bye now.